For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. So how are we feeling today, Eagles fans, as the Eagles, it appears, will hire Vic Fangio to be their new defensive coordinator. That's probably going to be named, announced sometime today. According to Adam Schefter, that's about a done deal. We'll get into it, and I'll tell you why I feel a little differently about the team today than I did yesterday. This is the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Hennings producing today's show with you out there. So Vic Fangio's name comes across the board yesterday as Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni are in the middle of the press conference. So let's put the pieces together. And this thing was supposed to start at 2.30. I would imagine they got a call sometime around 2.30 from the Fangio camp and said, look, Vic is working out a deal with the Dolphins. He's going to get out of the deal, but he wants to come closer to home in Pennsylvania. Is there any interest in Vic Fangio? The Eagles would be like, yeah, sure. We got a lot of interest in Vic Fangio. We wanted to hire Vic last year. You know, we all wanted this to happen. What is he proposing here? Well, he's going to go to the Dolphins. He's going to tell them he wants out. And if we can come together on a verbal agreement here, that news will be held off until your press conference begins. So they're going through the, you know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, but not signing anything at this point yet. You know, we got to keep it on the up and up. And the Eagles come sauntering in at 3 o'clock. Yeah, you know, it snowed the other day, and that's why we're a little late. We usually have our post meetings and yada, yada, yada. Well, you yada, yada, yada over the best part. You're talking on the phone to Vic Fangio's crew. So... At 3.30, the Fangio news drops because Adam Schefter says, look, I can't hold this any longer. I'm going to drop this thing, and I'm going to do it, bang, right smack in the middle of the Eagles press conference so that somebody can ask the Eagles about it. Ah, this ought to be good. And the Eagles awkwardly have to answer a question about a guy they most likely want to hire while they're in the middle of probably setting up interviews and telling other people, well, we want to talk to you too. And then they have to answer the question. The question, jerk! So the question comes out in the press conference yesterday as the two guys are getting, you know, browbeaten for about 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, the question comes across. Hey, there's a report that just came out now that said former Dolphins coordinator Vic Fangio and the Dolphins have parted ways and that you are the top target. You can't comment on that. Well, poor Roseman leaves Sirianni to just fumble along and say, we've got a lot of good targets. 
There are a lot of guys that have done really well in the interview process. None are going to do as well as Vic Fangio, even though we haven't talked to him yet. Big old wink. Not Wink Martindale, Har. And I look forward to continuing that process. We'll see what happens. I'll tell you what happens. You push the pressure a half hour because you're working out a deal with Vic Fangio. The Fangio deal is going to be signed, sealed, delivered by the end of this show today. And I'll tell you why. I think it's a good sign of things to come. You guys can tell me what you think. 609-403-0973. Hit me up on the text board. Have you had a night's sleep on Vic Fangio and say, you know what, I've changed my mind about the Eagles in this offseason. I'll tell you why I've changed my mind. You know, at first I'm thinking, man, this doesn't look good. You got Nick Sirianni up there babbling away, flapping in the wind. Basically everybody's saying, all right, he's a puppet, which quite frankly, he maybe he is. I don't really have a strong care in the world about what Nick Sirianni's role is right now. Because I've seen this team make a Super Bowl with Nick Sirianni. So I'm not going to sit here and say he's incapable of being a part of a team that gets back there. But what I do think about the Vic Fangio hire is this, my friends. I predict, all right, it is January 25th. My birthday was yesterday. I am now a year older and a year wiser. And my older and wiser self says this. Vic Fangio's hire tells me that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie are going to be aggressive this offseason. You don't bring in the veteran, crusty defensive coordinator and then tell them, eh, you're going to have to work with Kaylee Ringo, Eli Ricks, and Isaiah Rogers. Like, you don't bring in Vic Fangio and say, hey, man, you want to come here and work with a bunch of young kids? Vic Fangio gets on the phone and he says, look, I want to do this, but you got to assure me you guys are going to make it worth my while. Like, you know, I have a good thing going to Miami. We got Xavier Howard, got Jalen Ramsey. You know, we feel like we got a good thing going here. But, you know, I'm kind of I want to move home. I want to get closer to home. I really like the Phillies and they're pretty good. So I like to go to those games. So can you assure me? Now, there's no reporting on this. This is just strictly my older and wiser opinion. Now, I've only been 47 for a few hours. So maybe my older and wiser opinion isn't all that smart. However, the way that I read it and I feel about Vic Fangio, to me, it shows similar to what the Eagles had a couple of years ago. They went 9-7. and seven, They got blasted by Tampa Bay. And what happened the next offseason? Roseman goes out. He gets A.J. Brown. What happened to that offense that year? They had no weapons. They just had nothing on the offensive side of the ball. It was Jalen Hurts kind of running around and handing it off. And then when they couldn't run the ball, they just, you know, you had a rookie in in, uh, Devontae Smith, and that just wasn't going to work. So what do they do? Bang! Let's go out and get A.J. Brown. That's a help for you right there. Bang! Let's go out and get James Bradbury. That'll help us out on the defensive side of the ball. We need help there. Let's go out and get Kaiser White. We make a trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. We go out and sign Hassan Reddick. The Eagles, by the way, the Reddick deal was the first deal of the offseason. If you remember when they made their free agent signings, they kind of set the tone right off the bat. Bang, we need pass rush. We're going to go get the best pass rusher out there, Hassan Reddick. We need help on offense. Draft night comes. Bang, we're going to go draft A.J. Brown. The Vic Fangio signing to me 
makes me feel confident that this team will be aggressive. That this team watched what happened in that playoff game and said, look, we need better coordinators. We're going to go out and get them. And with those better coordinators, we need better talent for those guys. We simply can't sit here and say, well, because we have better coordinators, let's just run it back again. Because the Eagles, the last time they got beat in the playoffs by Tampa Bay, and it was a similar game. They just weren't in that game, although they were more competitive in the game two years ago than they were this year, and this team was way more talented. But I feel good that it's a sign to me that this team will be aggressive in trying to fix this team. What say you guys? 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. You know, because Vic Fangio, to me, he's 65 years old. This isn't a guy who wants to sit here and teach. Well, he wants to teach. He's he, That's the thing with Fangio. I got, you know, people texting me, asking me, what do I think, what do I think, what do I think? And obviously, if you don't like the style of defense that Fangio runs – you're not going to be like all that excited, I would imagine. If you were the guy who wants the blitzing, aggressive Wink Martindale, you're probably not thrilled here. But this is one of those things where if you're going to run my defense, I might as well be the guy that runs it. Not you trying to run the Vic Fangio defense. Vic Fangio running the Vic Fangio defense. And listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Vic Fangio is going to rule with an iron fist and pound on the table and say, I need linebackers. I need my guys. But I do think Vic Fangio's presence is a strong indication that Roseman understands. Listen, Roseman wants to run things. He wants to kind of be the guy in charge. But by doing this, by bringing in a Vic Fangio, I think Roseman says, listen, Jeffrey, I'm okay bringing in Fangio. You know why? Because I know I can look at the off-season free agent list, and I can look at whose contracts are available, and I know I can go get better corners. I can go get, you know, a linebacker and bring him in and pair him up with Nicobe Dean because we now know Nicobe Dean, I think, is a guy that they're going to continue to count on in this defense. So I think when you look at this team and the move they made with Vic Fangio, and listen – Let's make no mistake about it. Vic Fangio is one of the better defensive minds in the game. You know, I talk to a bunch of people around the league, have a buddy who works out in Denver and also a buddy who works in Chicago. The Chicago people, they love them and really thought that, you know, this is a smart, strong, defensive-oriented guy who is going to teach but get the best out of what you have. Get the best out of the talent that you have. I don't know that that was the case all the time. And that's a positive there. So, why I don't think they're out of the woods yet, everybody. I'm not saying this team is going to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that this team is all of a sudden back on the map. I do feel this is a good first step. Now, it could negate the step of bringing Nick Sirianni back if they let it. I don't think they'll let it. 609-403-0973. Jim in North Cape May says, I've been saying that all along. It doesn't matter who you bring in. You need better defensive players. Jim, of course, you know, we hear all the time. Colin Thompson, former NFL tight end, a free agent tight end in the league. 
Um, he's been on our show all season long. And the players will tell you it's the Jimmys and the Joes. It's not the X's and the O's. Now, if you ask coaches and they will say, hey, we got to do a better job. We've got to do a better job putting in our, pl- our players in position to make plays. I think Vic Fangio offers the better job, the ability to put players in better position, coach them up better. You know, I was listening to the Pat McAfee show yesterday. And one of the things that Darius Butler, who used to play for uh, the Colts, was saying on the show, and he was explaining about, they were asking about how important the coordinators were and the schemes. And he said, it's not that they're not important. They are certainly very important. But he also stressed how much time they spend with their position coaches. He's like, we're in the room with the position coaches all the time. Like, that's what we're doing. We're in those rooms with the position coaches so much. And, you know, sometimes a coordinator, maybe he's coming up with the scheme. But are those corners getting coached correctly? Are they being polished? If they're not the most talented guy, are you getting the most out of the talent that they're bringing to the table? And if they are the most talented guy, are you maximizing what they bring? So I agree to what you're saying to an extent, Jim and North Cape May. But I will also say, I think Fangio, this level of coach, this presence of a coach, this stature of a coach, with that hire also brings a commitment to getting better players on that side of the ball. Because here's two things I would add. Okay, one, the Eagles have three picks in the top, I want to say 55, but I'll just say 65 to be safe. But I know that three picks are in the top 60. Like they have their first round pick, it's 22. They have a second-round pick from New Orleans, which I believe is 50. And then they have their own first-round pick, which I want to say is like 53, 54, 55, somewhere in that range. So they have three players that they can get in the first two rounds of this draft. Three. If you're Howie Roseman, you can really make a concerted effort to focus on the defensive side of the ball. Now, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know how he's going to do this thing. They do need some things on offense. Hey, listen, if Jason Kelsey retires, you move Cam Jurgens to center. Now you need a right guard. 22 is a spot in the draft where you can probably draft an offensive lineman and have him play right off the bat. So I would think that offensive line would be in play. But this team in the first round on offense – Other than an offensive lineman, what else are they really taking? You're not taking a wide receiver. You're not going to take a tight end at number 22. You're not taking a running back at 22. I mean, and obviously you're not drafting a quarterback. So the only thing by process of elimination that you could draft on offense would be an offensive lineman. But if you have 22 and you feel okay, hey, last year we took Tyler Steen, third round, he's got to have to play right guard. Or Jason Kelsey just comes back plays another year, and you have the same offensive line, and you don't need to worry about the offensive line in this year's draft in the first round specifically. Now, there's a possibility that you draft in the first round this year. That guy plays guard, and then down the road is the replacement for Lane Johnson. I've seen a lot of that conversation. But let's focus in on you have pick 22, and then you have two picks in the second round. You have Vic Fangio here. Vic Fangio says, this is the way my defense goes. I love Jalen Carter. I love what we have there. 
but I need to get some guys in this second, first, in these first three picks, this is what would really help what my defense does. And I think Roseman's in a position now to say, listen, we've got to hit on this. We've got to get the right players. And last year, we drafted an offensive, uh, defensive lineman, Jalen Carter. The year before that, we went and got Nolan, um, J- Jordan Davis. Last year, we got Nolan Smith as well. Maybe it's time for me to get younger on the corners. Maybe it's time that I finally get that playmaker at linebacker. And I'm not saying they're going to draft a linebacker in the first round, but they have two picks in the second round. And, Josh, I don't know if you have the other picks, but I think they have a third, and they've got like four or five fifth-round picks. And not that you're counting on fifth-round picks, but guess what? If you're Howie Roseman, do you just keep swinging with defensive players and say, I'm going to get speed, and I'm going to get athletes, and I'm going to just say, bang, 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 and that, that with those fifth-round picks. Now, somewhere in there, you're going to take an offensive lineman. Somewhere in there, I think you're going to take a guy that you think can play in the slot. But what do you got for me on those spots uh, in the draft? So according to two different sites I read, the Eagles' picks are set up to the third round right now. So it's 22-50-53. That's what we know for sure right now. Well, 22 is their own pick. 50 is the New New Orleans Orleans. pick, and 53 is Is their their pick. pick. Correct. Now, the rest of the picks are still waiting for everything else to shake out. But as of right now, they have a third-round compensatory pick. They have a fifth-round pick from Tampa. They also have three more fifth-round compensatory picks. Mm -hmm. These are for free agents that left last year. And then they have a sixth-round pick, which they got for the uh, Contavious Street trade. So those are the picks as of right now they have. Okay. So there's a lot of draft capital in the first five rounds that they can really focus in. And that's what I'm talking about when I say this hiring, to me, I take a step in the positive direction that they were willing to go and get the strong veteran defensive personality. I don't know if I love the scheme. I'm not going to say here and say, hey, man, if you told me I'm a defensive coordinator, go pick your scheme, and I'd be a Vic Fangio disciple. I don't really love the scheme. But if I'm going to run the scheme, I might as well run it with the guy who came up with it and is well-regarded as the best at running this scheme and has had past success with it. That said, I also like the fact that he is a veteran coach with head coaching experience. Not that I'm saying I want him to be the head coach of the team in case Sirianni falters, but Sirianni now has guys that are men in the room. I don't have to go babysit Vic Fangio on the defense because I know kind of a Sean McVay, Wade Phillips situation. I don't need to babysit Wade Phillips. He runs the defense. Now I can do my job as the overseer of everything. Hey, man, what are you thinking about this week defensively? This is what we're going to do, blah, 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 blah. And I don't think Nick Sirianni is going to say, no, 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 no. We're we're, going to do this. Now, you might say, so then what does Sirianni have to do? What Sirianni has to do is be well-liked. He has to be the guy that makes sure that everybody likes everybody. You know, it's not the Seinfeld episode where he says, you know, not everybody likes everyone. Sirianni has to make sure 
that everybody has to get along. Not that it's really going to happen. But what is his responsibility as the head coach? Here's Nick Sirianni yesterday building the culture having a relationship with the guys on the football team because i know when when i have that connection with the guys on the football team um that's when things are you know that when that's when the culture is working and working at high level and then that's where our connection with the players and then their connection with each other works well too i have to make sure that everybody gets along the culture yada 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 that's look that's the best case scenario with nick sirianni if you're telling me, and look, I don't know what happened behind closed doors last year, but I also don't know what happened behind closed doors when the Eagles made it to the Super Bowl. Nick Sirianni had to have some role in why the team was good enough to get to the Super Bowl, and that means that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman have to deem that he has some role in helping them get back to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. And that step has been taken for me. I want to hear about it from you. Hit me up at 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Vic Fangio, to me, indicates that the team is going to be aggressive this offseason. And I think... It is the first step in this team getting back to trying to contend sooner before later. We'll put the pieces together coming up next on the Sports Bash. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Right, 228 on a Thursday. I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash. So Vic Fangio... Looks like he's going to be the new coordinator. Your text messages are coming in. Does it make you feel any better? So I gave you kind of a blueprint of the Fangio hire. What it means to me is I think this is a signal that Howie Roseman and the crew get it. They're going to be aggressive. That's my prediction. I could be completely off. They might be the Phillies this offseason and be sitting there with crickets getting ready for spring training, I mean, the Phillies have not made one move other than bring back Aaron Nola. That is legitimately the only move they have made this offseason. I don't think this is going to be the dream team, but I do think the Eagles will be aggressive. I think the Eagles will say, listen, we got Vic Fangio, the best in the business at running that defense. How long is his shelf life? We better maximize him while we have him. He is 65 years old. By no way am I pushing the man out the door. But if you're telling me he has three to five solid good years left running that defense, you better get him the best talent that he has. Coinciding with the quarterback. We've got to come to terms with the quarterback's a big part of this. You cannot let seasons just kind of whistle and wave and pass you by. You know, this isn't a September weekend in Stone Harbor where you're sitting on the beach by yourself with your feet up and your hands behind your head. 
whistling Dixie going over to Twisties. You've got to be aggressive and make sure you act quickly. You didn't like the Twisties reference or you didn't look like uh, you didn't get it? Twisties and Strathmere. Same thing. Stone Harbor, Strathmere. <laughs> drive up the street 10 well, minutes. Twisties is good enough that you would drive from Stone, Stone Harbor, Harbor to, to Strathmere. Strathmere. Is it not? I think so. All right. So you would make the drive from Stone Harbor to Strathmere. But my mind was in Stone Harbor. Then you I don't have a Stone Harbor go-to spot right off the top of my head. That's fine. Twisties jumped right into my head, and I thought it was – like, for instance – if you're in Margate or Ventnor, you would, like, let's say you're in Ventnor. You would drive from Ventnor to go to Robert's place in Margate. Why wouldn't you drive from Stone Harbor to go to Twisties in, in Strathmere? I, I pick up what you're putting down. See what I'm saying? What my mind was originally at, though, was what you're saying about Jalen Hurts reminds me of all the people who say, don't waste Joel Embiid's prime, right? Yes. Like, don't waste Joel Embiid's best years by doing X, Y, Z. Well, isn't it the same thing with Jalen Hurts? Don't waste Jalen Hurts' ability and potential yes. because of X, Y, Z. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because we hear that in basketball all the time. Don't waste his prime. We don't hear that as much in football. Like, don't waste the quarterback's prime. You're wa- like. You know why? Because generally when you have the great quarterback, you're not a bad team. Right. You're not. Now, Jalen Hurts, I think we're indifferent on right now. You had one mediocre year. You had one MVP level year. And then you had this year last year where he was the MVP favorite for about 12 weeks. And then he just wasn't. And he basically, in the words of Mike Tyson, drifted into Bolivia. That wasn't a good Mike Tyson, was it? No. You know, I met Mike Tyson once before. Did you? Yeah. He was doing his one-man show. Was this before or after the face tattoo? He had the face tattoo. Okay. He was doing his one-man show. I feel like that's like a line of demarcation, like before and after for his life. He was a retired fighter, although he has fought since that time. He has. He had a Roy um, Jones Jr. exhibition, for example. Exactly. So I met him. He was doing his one-man show. I think it was at Caesars or Tropicana. I want to say Caesars. Um... And my father was with me. Now, my dad used to box. So my dad had sparred with a guy that Tyson also sparred with. Of a small world. Yeah, right? So my dad asked him, like, do you know this guy? And Tyson was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. Uh, shook his hand. I've told the story maybe before, but Tyson's hands are like catcher's mitts. Wow. Like, now you know when Tyson connects with you why there is just a jarring of probably every brain cell you have yeah, that causes hand, you to completely black out, knock out, and might have uh, sustained multiple <laughs> injuries in the process. Yeah, because his hand is basically as big as some people's heads. His hands are gargantuan. You shake Mike Tyson's hands. You lose your hand. And you literally are like, do you have a catcher's mitt on? Like, what's going <laughs> on here? And not to mention... It's not a soft catcher's mitt. This thing is like a it's like a catcher's mitt that got enshrined in Cooperstown. Right? It's like bronzed. His hand is like bronzed catcher's mitt and when he clocks you with that thing. But you take a look at Hertz and you have to say, are we rock solid about Hertz? I will answer this question. I think the Eagles are. I think the Eagles are rock solid in their mind about Hertz. 609 609- 403-0973, 609-403-0973. Let's get Kevin's in 
If Eagles are hiring Vic Fangio as D coordinator, does that mean he says something to Howie about who to draft in the first and second round? Do we take uh, all right? You're mentioning players here. Let's let's answer the question. If the Eagles are hiring Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator, does that mean he is saying something to Howie about who to draft in the first and second round? I think he certainly will put down a piece of paper, slide it over to him, and say these are guys who would fit my system pretty well. Don't you? I mean, I definitely think he would look at tape and say to Roseman. These are the guys that are currently here that I think I can work with in my system. Right. I think he would look at tape and say, Ringo and Ricks, either they're good or Ringo and Ricks, no good. Can't use those guys. I'm interested to see what Vic Fangio, if he would watch the tape and what he would say about Bayard as a safety. Does he want Kevin Bayard? Like, does that excite him to say, you know what, let me get my hands on Kevin Byard. I know he got here in the middle of the season. It was a new system for me, but I think he can help this defense. Because Byard was a really good player in Tennessee. I mean, he just did not fit in. I mean, he didn't do anything here. Uh, not having Sidney Brown, I'm very disappointed because I think Vic Fangio would get the most out of Sidney Brown. But good question there, Kevin. Appreciate it. Uh, 609-403-0973. Mike, would you say that signing... Uh, the Fangio signing puts Howie on the spot this year. Well, I'm going to answer this question. Roseman's never on the spot. And I said this yesterday. For Roseman to get on the spot, the hot seat, if you will. Remember when SportsCenter did the Budweiser hot seat? I do remember that. Like you would be sitting on this like, throne and getting questions fired at you. What a great segment. Why would you get rid of that? Like, to me, the Budweiser hot seat. Letting that sponsorship go would be like Pico not doing the Flyers power play. Can you mm. imagine Lou Nolan saying anything other than like the, the Flyers go on the Pico power play? Can you imagine like what else? What other company could sponsor the power play? What I can imagine right now is you taking Lou Nolan's job when he's done up there. I don't know about that. I don't know that uh, anybody is qualified. Lou Nolan is maybe the most recognizable PA voice. No, Dan Baker. Ah, man, that's a tough one. It's a tough one between Dan Baker Which and Lou Nolan. Which job would you rather have? The Flyers PA announcer or the uh, Phillies PA announcer? I mean, probably, I'll tell you this. I don't like public speaking, so if I did it, I don't want to do what Dan Baker does and go down on the field. Okay. I wouldn't want to be on the field. He does that whole, like, pregame presentation, and he's, like, on the field. Now, I imagine they're doing that because Baker, he is so flamboyant and loves that job. Not that I wouldn't love it. I just don't want to be on the field doing it. So if you don't have to be on the field, okay, yeah, all, baseball. And all things because are I want to sit. I'd okay. rather watch baseball every night of the week than hockey every night of the week. Gotcha. But... You remember I tried out for the Sixers job, and I was, like, down to the final five, although I think that was all horse hockey. Like, I don't really think I was in the final five. I think, like, they just picked five randos, and then they gave it to Matt Cord, who does a great job. But remember when the new Sixers ownership came in? Yeah. They wanted to kind of have, like, a connection to whatever, and they got Cord out. And then the guy who did it was the weatherman. Tom LeMain. Tom LeMain, right. And they had Tom LeMain do it for a year, and he was not very energetic. Right. So they opened up this whole thing where they were going to do auditions, looking for the new guy. And I was in the auditions. There was, like, probably a 100 people there, if not more. 
Matt Cord was in the auditions. And I made it to like the final five. And somehow, some way, they picked Matt Cord. Go but you figure. Were, but you were still top five out of 100. That's the takeaway. I don't know how many people were actually in it, but there was a lot. We were there for probably 10 hours. Well, even if it's not 100, let's say it's 50. So five out of 50 is Oh, yeah, and it was like, you know, it was a long, arduous day. Like, you were sitting there waiting, and so you're in the Wells Fargo Center. It's completely empty, and they give you the script, and, like, then they do, like, the whole introductions with the lights and the board, and you had to, like, read it as if the crowd was crazy live, and I'm a little reserved. So to have to, like, be on the spot, you know, I could do the impersonations, but I can't be like, I'm going to do the impersonation. I just have to, like... Do spontaneously. it. Spontaneously fit it in. Like, I can't do a Lou Nolan. I mean, come on. Nobody can rec- replicate Lou Nolan's voice. Not that I've ever heard. No. I mean, the Pico Power Play. But how iconic is the Pico Power Play? It's arguably one of the most iconic advertiser-connected sports things ever. Right. I mean, it's the only, like, thing that you can... You only put the Power Play with Pico. Like, if somebody else sponsored it, it would fall flat. Well, it was like, for example, and I'm going back years ago now. Remember how for so many years Tostitos was the sponsor of the Fiesta Bowl? Yes. And then one day they weren't. And it was like, it's not the same. Well, it's as the soon, Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. As soon as all these bowl games now, they change like almost every two to three years. They're yeah. getting a different sponsor. They have completely gone and jumped the shark. Like, the Tostitos Festival, like, at first, when you're like, there's a sponsor on the bowl game. This doesn't make any sense. But when they, like, stayed there for long enough, it kind of, like, was just a part of it. also, it fit. Tostitos Fiesta. And now, it's just gotten out of hand. Like, the Duke Mayo Bowl. How long is that thing going to stick around for? (laughs) As long as Duke Mayo keeps paying the bill. (laughs) I get that point of it. But how long do you think... Like, Duke Mayo, are they invested to make this, like, a 30-year, like, the Pico Power Play? When did that start is what I want to know. Look that up. Mm -hmm. When did the Pico Power Play, and maybe Lou Nolan's listening. I know he's down in Ocean City from time to time. Maybe Lou can tell us uh, when the Pico. It's got to be the most recognizable um, and probably most bang for your advertising buck of all time. In this, you know, in terms of like this area where you associate that business with that segment of the game more so than anything else to like if one night Lou Nolan just said, you know, the Flyers go on the Tasty Cake power. Like you'd be like, I know Tasty Cake. I like Tasty Cake. But no, it's not a Tasty Cake power. It's like when Heinz Field changed its name, like Pittsburgh is synonymous with Heinz Ketchup. You can't just be the next business that comes in and says, Heinz, you're out, we're in. Okay, I'll give you another example. What do you associate the home of where the Syracuse football and men's basketball team play? Uh, the Carrier Dome? The Carrier Dome. Carrier is a business. You know it's no longer called the Carrier Dome? What's it called now? I do not know. That's my point. You know that it's called the Carrier Dome, or it was called the Carrier Dome. Carrier is no longer the sponsor of it. Somebody else came in, but because Carrier 
had such a long-standing relationship, the next guy falls flat. So the next Pico, whoever that becomes, and maybe Pico has a lifetime sponsorship. Sponsorship. Like, as long as we're in business, we're the Pico power play. But even if Pico ceases business for whatever reason, you know, it's... Or they get bought out. Whatever, yes. The next name of that power play will not ring. The alliteration of the Pico power play. There's people out there, if you're a young Flyers fan, you might just only know the Pico power play and think that every power play is the power play is a Pico power play. Now, when you go to a road game and you listen to it in that other arena, I don't know, I haven't been to a road hockey game in quite some time, but I think the last road hockey game I went to was in Tampa Bay. I saw a lightning game in Tampa, and that had to be over 10 years ago. Like, I don't know if they have, like, it's the St. Pete Times power play. Was it fun? Yeah, no. It was a hockey game. Was it fun? Of course it was fun. Well, I mean, you typically have an opinion about all the ballparks you've been to, for example. Yeah, ballparks are different than hockey arenas that are basically all oval with ice and seats. There's not a whole, like, character to a hockey arena as opposed to a ball field. Now, the St. Pete's Times Forum, I've been there for multiple events. I've been there for hockey. I've been there for NCAA tournament. Um, But, yeah, I think it's kind of cool going to a hockey game in Tampa. You're out there. You're wearing your shorts and the t-shirt. There's palm trees. It's like, you know when the Flyers make the playoffs and they have like the little, um, like, uh, like outside the, the arena, like, um, the block parties before the playoff game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have the bands and the vendors and the beer trucks and the food. It's like that in Tampa almost every single night because it's nice enough. Probably, uh, you know, one of those things. Uh, Mike, Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN, Rich from the Crest, not much in Stone Harbor, maybe Fred's 96th Street. Yeah, so that's why you would drive to Twisties. I don't even know that, um, uh, is Twisties open at this time of the year? I think it is, right? Uh, I know the Doville's over there. It was the first thing I could think of, more so than anything. All right, uh, more Sports Bash coming up, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, I got a lot of text messages I will uh, read off and react to, plus Sal Palantonio's reaction to the hiring in the press conferences yesterday. That's coming up at 3 o'clock. This. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Mike Gill. And I am the voice of the voiceless. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. And the Flyers are going on the Pico Power Play. Can you imagine anything other than the Pico power play? You probably can't. Remember when they used to say the Flyers would score a goal and he would say, eh, the Flyers are scored for a box of tasty cakes. Here's my Jim Jackson. Solid. Not great. Yeah. I can't, I don't uh, pretend to do a great Jim Jackson. Remember those days though? I do remember the tasty cake, yeah. 
felt like Tasty Cake was at one point sponsoring everything on television. And no matter what, it was Flyers, Phillies, Sixers, games, no matter what it was, it was something Tasty Cake. Yeah, I mean, it's smart. I mean, if you uh, want to be the premier brand uh, in your area, you, you got to get out there. You know, you can't just be someone uh, like if Tasty Cake isn't a part of the Flyers and the Sixers and the Eagles and all of them. They're probably some little uh, spot in uh, Philly that probably uh, nobody's ever heard of before. What's that saying? Uh, you can't. What's about uh, spending money? You can't make no money. You got to spend money to make money. Yeah, but there's there's a there's a cooler way that people say it. Yeah, well, maybe look that one up. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. How about scared money don't make none? That's it. Yes. Yeah, that's from my rapping days. Thanks. Yep. Uh, Happy to help in any way that I can. Thanks, DJ MJ. So uh, we haven't really come across. Uh, this was an interview with Lou Nolan. He says, I'm bad at dates. I don't know how long we've been doing it, but it's been a while. So I don't know when the origin of the Pico power play has begun. But, you know, he, he has said it's been a while. I don't know that there's like an official date or time when when that has uh, when that has came to light, the Pico power play. But I can't think of a, a another sponsorship in game that is so ingrained into the fans where you remember the name of the brand attached to something that happens in the game. Like I guess the Phillies have the Rav four fourth inning. Right. But that's rather new. Yeah, it's only been around for maybe like regardless, like- it's only been even if it's been ten years, which I don't think it's been yeah, I don't think people are like, oh, yeah, the RAV4. Uh, like, the Pico power play is all throughout every game. It's legendary. Every day, yeah. Um, now, it's only when they're at home that you hear that. Because when they go on the road, obviously, the road team doesn't do the Pico power play. That and also the fact that I did see in an article that they were talking in this one article about how when they did the stadium series, they couldn't use the in-arena sponsors for the stadium series game, so Lou Nolan had to say another power play sponsor for the stadium series game. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody corrected me and said it was for a case of tasty cakes, not a box of tasty cakes. Yeah, I do. Re- he's right. Like when you don't remember this, remember you're giving me that face cake. again of like uh, you are so lost of what I'm saying. No, I say I remember the tasty cake, but I mean I'm I'm sure that there might be a different verbiage than no. It was like case. the fire score for a case of tasty cakes. Danny Briere, not a great Jim Jackson again. Moving on. Yeah, case a case of tasty cakes. case. Yes. Not a box. He Not said. a box. Uh, Mike Roberts' place is virtually on the Ventnor Margate border. No need to get in the car if you are in Ventnor. You can walk there. If you are on the Margate Ventnor border side, but if you live like on Ventnor the Ventnor Atlantic City side or Ventnor Heights or down past the Dorset Avenue Bridge, that's a long walk, brother. I mean, you could drive your bike there. Could you ride your bike from Stone Harbor to uh, Twisties? I mean, you could, but it's going to take you a while. I mean, it's how long of a bike ride is it? I mean, I, I would say, I mean, I, did, I used to do a lot of bike riding when I lived on the islands. I mean, that's probably going to take you 45 minutes to an hour. Okay, so it's a lot longer than just jumping in the car for 10 minutes. Like, when I was younger, I used to ride my bike from Ocean City to Sea Isle, and that took me an well, hour. Well, that's a long ride. Well, that's the equivalent to what's Stern Harbor to Strathmere. Because Ocean City's on one island, the other's on the other island. Well, so is Stern Harbor. Uh, 
Tom from the Villa says, I like Brickin for chicken. One guy called in and said he liked the Wendy's Frosty Freeze Out. Right. Though the Frosty Freeze Out had a chance if they did it for 25 years. Like, that would be so synonymous. But Frosty already gave it up, and now it's Brickin for chicken. Yeah, Wendy's messed up, man. You had something there, Wendy's. The Brickin for chicken thing... It's a lot more convoluted to get the, the nuggets, by the way. <laughs> the Wendy's thing was pretty easy. You just roll up to the drive-thru and say, hey, Frosty Freeze out, and they'd hand you a Frosty. I don't know if it's the same for Brick and for Chicken. Sal Pal next. City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, Here's Mike Gill. Uh, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Well, the Eagles have a different approach on defense with Vic Fangio. We'll ask Sal Palantonio what he thinks about the hire as Vic Fangio will be the new coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, what this means for them, and uh, we'll get his reaction to what we heard at the Eagles press conference as he joins us right now here. It's not a Sal Pal Friday. Uh, it's a Sal Pal Thursday, and he joins me here on a Thursday because I will not be here tomorrow. So he was kind enough to jump in on this Thursday edition. Sal, how are you? I am very good, Mike Gill. Mike Gill, when you email me and say you want me on the Mike Gill program on the Sports Bash on Atlantic City ESPN Radio, I'm there. I'm always there. I answer the bell. (laughs) Well, you answered the bell on a perfect day because uh, it looks like a lot is happening here with the Eagles. They had their press conference yesterday, and in the middle of the presser, Sal Pal, it was announced that Vic Fangio would be leaving the Dolphins, and he wants to move closer to home, and that the Eagles would be the top target. Well, the Eagles are in the middle of a press conference. So what say you about Vic Fangio and the Eagles right now? Well, they tried to hire him last year, and they missed the boat because Jonathan Gannon, you know, was kind of finagling his situation with Arizona, and they weren't sure whether Gannon was coming back, blah, blah, blah. We all know the story, so now they get Vic Fangio. But it's not much different from Sean Desai. We all know Sean Desai was a disciple of Vic Fangio, and all you got to do is look at this one very specific area. In 2023, the Dolphins and the Eagles had identical blitz rates of 21%. Identical. Not not close. Identical. 21%. Near the bottom of the league. That works if you have superior secondary personnel. And both the Eagles and the Dolphins did not. The Eagles and the Dolphins both suffered injuries. And both were getting older in their secondary as the season went along. As a result, both teams were also near the bottom of the league in giving up touchdown passes. The Eagles, of course, gave up 35, which is unbelievable, Mm. 31st in the league. The Dolphins gave up 27, which is 25th in the league. And the Dolphins got boat raced by Philly. I mean, honestly, listen, let's be objective about this. The Dolphins come into Philadelphia Sunday night. And it was one of the best offensive performances by the Eagles all year long against the Dolphins. D. And then you go out and hire, and you go out and hire the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins. 
Yeah, so Fangio obviously is uh, a Desai, John Gannon. They are kind of the uh, offshoots from Vic Fangio. He was a head coach in Denver, was a coordinator before that, uh, the Bears. I don't know. You bring in a veteran, older guy. Do you like the message here? Well, I okay, let's, let's go back to your question for sure. I'll stay on the point of your question. I was going to add some other points about sure. the defense. You know, but I, I, the question is, do I like an older guy? Well, just the fact that he's an older veteran guy, almost that Sirianni it, it, it doesn't depends. have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need Don Zimmer on the bench, but he already has that in Jeff Stoutland. So, um, he's already got a bench coach in Jeff Stoutland. Does he listen to him enough? I don't think so, but he has that guy there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> You know, I don't know where Fangio will be up in the booth on the sideline. Does it really matter? I think having an older guy there, he'll automatically have gravitas and respect in the room. Clearly, some of the older players were looking for that, for sure. But, you know, you really can't blame the players, in my view, on what happened this season. They had a lot of injuries in their secondary. They had some players underperform, but they had some players who just weren't capable of performing up to the level of the players that they had in the Super Bowl run, especially at the linebacker position. They went out and they tried to find some veterans. Some of them worked. Some of them didn't. Bayard worked a little bit, but Shaq Leonard did not, obviously. They lost Slay for a little bit of time. I don't have to go through it with everybody. N'Kobe Dean doesn't look like he's ready for prime time really ever yeah. at the NFL level because he can't stay on the field. So you're asking you're asking a legitimate question. I don't want to belittle the question, Mike, because your questions are always great. But the real question is now what do you do to try to get this defense so it can run this defense? These players need to run this defense. And Rex Ryan always told me something about the Vic Fangio defense. It runs well if you have great players. It's great if you have great players. If you don't, you have to cover up for a lot of things that you don't necessarily have. And that's, I think, the real problem because you're not blitzing. When you blitz, you put the offense under pressure. I know there's this whole argument, blitz or don't blitz, but there's a reason why Spagnolo and Mike McDonald are in the AFC Championship game. They know when to blitz. They know how to blitz. They know when to create the illusion of blitzing. They know how to confuse quarterbacks. That's the reason why they're one and two in defense in the AFC. That's the reason why the Lions beat Baker Mayfield. They blitzed him right out of Ford Field. They blitzed them right out of Ford Field. If they had sat back and watched Baker Mayfield carve them up, then Dan Campbell obviously would have been ridiculed. And the reason why San Francisco is having problems is because they're not getting home to the quarterback right now. And I think that's why they're not going to have they're going to have big problems with the Lions in this game. Well, uh, you mentioned something about you know having fans. You get a veteran guy in there who's you know. And I guess my question to that is. If you're Howie Roseman and you make the decision to go with that veteran presence over there, does that send a signal to you, Sal, that if we're bringing in a guy of this ilk, we got to be aggressive and get him some players because our players need to be upgraded? 
Well, they, they, they're in a rebuild mode in a lot of ways, certainly in their secondary, certainly at the linebacker position. Uh, and we haven't even started talking about offense. But, Mike, you know, you get one shot to fix this. Let, let's assume that Nick Sirianni is making the call here. He's certainly being given the responsibility, and he's certainly they're, they're saying that it, it's his call. So he gets one shot because he's already hired three people. And they're all gone. Patricia, gone. Desai, gone. Brian Johnson, gone. Now he goes back to the guy that they originally wanted last year, Sick Fangio. Okay, older, experienced guy. Players will listen to him. He has a track record. He runs basically the same defense, but he has the same players. It's going to be tough. So you have a head coach who's in the fourth year of his five-year deal. He's got to get it right this time. If he doesn't, the next guy who's going to be, you know, held accountable is the head coach. I would, you would agree with that, wouldn't you? Sure. Yeah. And I, I think there's a lot of questioning that we can get into based on what we heard yesterday. I mean, obviously there's the back and forth between, I believe it was your colleague, Tim McManus essentially asked, what do you do? Uh, you, you got an offensive coordinator, you got a defensive coordinator. What is your role? And he said, well, I'm the head coach of the football team. Well, what does that entail? Uh, so how do you feel the standing of Sirianni is? Well, you know, that that model can work. You want a head coach who's going to set the tone and the approach. And I'm not saying that Nick Sirianni needs to be fired. I've said this many times on your show. Mm -hmm. I do not advocate for the firing of these coaches. I think that that's somebody else to do. I'm just trying to report out what I see. Because I think Nick Sirianni's been given something that very few head coaches in this league are given, and that's a second chance with a completely new staff. So he has to step back and set the tone of the football team, set the philosophy and the approach, get involved here and there when he needs to. Look at John Harbaugh, former special teams coach under Andy Reid, comes in, wins the Super Bowl, now on his way to perhaps a second Super Bowl with two different quarterbacks. He changed defensive coordinators. He got rid of Wink Martindale, brought in the young Mike McDonald, who was on the staff of his brother in Michigan, and voila. He's also got a great front office that acquired some great players through trades in the draft. That, that will work if you have a guy like John Harbaugh who sets this up. Did you go on my Instagram? Go on my Instagram because last week when I was in Baltimore, I asked John Harbaugh in a text what his message was to the team. I want people to go on my IG account, Sal Pal ESPN, and just read John Harbaugh's message and how it sets the overall tone and philosophy. And it's very adult and specific in its instructions to the team. It sets the tone, and you see that with Dan Campbell up in Detroit. Ben Johnson's calling the plays. Aaron Glenn is calling the defense. Dan Campbell is setting the tone. Absolutely. Now, Andy Reid's always been hands-on with offense, and Kyle Shanahan's always been hands-on on San Francisco. So there are certain different models can work in different ways. Tom Coughlin, for years with the New York Giants, when he won two Super Bowls, he didn't call plays up there in New York. Yeah, and Sal, look, it worked here. And I think that's what the Eagles are trying to say is we went to the Super Bowl because we had strong coordinators where, you know, Nick didn't have to do so much. I don't know. Maybe the guys last year weren't ready or he had a 
be a part of too much. I, I don't know how you would quantify what happened in those six games. And I think, you know, I heard somebody talking about this this morning on a podcast and they said, you know, every day everyone's yelling about the Cowboys and everybody's yelling about what happened to them. He goes, I want to know what happened to the Eagles. And the guy said, I'll tell you why we're not talking about what happened to the Eagles. Cause nobody has the right answer. This is the one of the most uncomparable situations that we've ever come across of what happened to them in those seven games. It's a combination of things. First and foremost, what happened is they had injuries in the secondary. Secondly, they changed defensive coordinators and they never caught up with the new defensive coordinator. Thirdly, the offense didn't adjust to what defenses were doing. Jalen Hurts was the third at the end of the season. He was the third most blitz quarterback in the NFL. Third most blitz quarterback in the NFL. They had a vanilla offense that had the fewest pre-snap motions of any team. So they weren't making the defense think. The defense was just pinning its ears back and coming after Jalen Hurts, and they did not have an answer to that. So it's not unknowable. It's not unanswerable. There are specifics about what went wrong, and they went, all went wrong quickly. Hmm. People caught up with them defensively for a number of reasons and offensively for a number of reasons, and they did not adjust. That is the bottom line. That's what everybody is saying. All you got to do is look at all the breakdowns Darius Butler does, Brian Baldinger does, Kurt Warner does on film. What we have done on the matchup show, and you can see the troubles that they have had specifically on offense. And a lot of it falls on Jalen Hurts and Brian Johnson. I'm glad you brought the Hurts thing up because I guess one question we asked to our listeners yesterday, Sal, um, are we absolving hurts for his role in why this team is kind of uh, where it is and how we feel about them today. Then what was the poll response? Uh, I think it's mixed. I think some people think that hurts was a, had a drop off. And I think some people think that he can bounce back with the new coordinator. Oh, well, those are two different things. I think they both, are, they both can be true. He definitely had a drop off and he definitely can bounce back. You know, see, here's the thing that I want people to really understand. First of all, you look at that press conference yesterday, and I can't really say this enough. Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman are humbled. They are contrite. They realize what they're up against. It's incredibly, it might be unprecedented that you hire two replacements for OC and DC after you lose them, and then you fire them after one season. Yeah. We, we, we ESPN research cannot find another example where this happened, you know, in the Super Bowl era. Uh, it's extreme. If it, if it has happened, I can't remember it happening in the 31 years I've been covering this football team for sure. So it's extremely rare occurrence. So you're in uncharted waters. They're in an unprecedented level of upheaval. So they should be humbled, but they're also serious minded football people. I mean, Howie Roseman won a Super Bowl here. He's a hardworking guy that's been around for 23 years in the front office with Jeffrey Lurie. He takes his job seriously. He is a pillar in the community in many ways that we don't see. Nick Sirianni is the son of a coach and the brother of a coach. It was really difficult, I am sure. I haven't talked to him about it, but I'm sure it was super hard to let his coaches go like that. The decision that he had to make uh, – with the front office like he did. That had to be tough for him to do. 
So he's got to approach this now like, okay, and he said it. He has to reprove himself. Pay attention to those words because those are serious words from a serious-minded football man. Um, Sal Powell's in Baltimore before. I know you got to get rolling here. Um, any of the offensive Mike, coordinators? we could talk about this all night long, brother. <laughs> we, I'm I mean, telling it's you. unbelievable. What's happening here, what happened last last night on that stage was better than any Broadway show. You didn't need Cecil B. DeMille. You didn't need Andrew <laughs> Lloyd Webber. All you had to do was turn on YouTube and watch the Philadelphia Press Corps Grill, Nick Sirianni, and Howie Roseman. It was unbelievable, riveting theater. And I, I got to tell you, I thought both of them handled themselves very well. I thought the press corps handled itself very well. I thought the questions were interesting and pointed. And they hung in there and they answered all the questions. And now they got to turn it around and they've got to live up to these changes that they're about to make. Because you know what? You look at the number of views. On YouTube or the people who listen to that, it's off the charts. Yeah. People are paying attention. This is their football team. This is their life. People in Philadelphia, they get up, they eat breakfast, they go to work, they care about the Eagles and their family. That's it. That's the, that's it. You're right. I mean, listen, um, there's a reason why the numbers are in. Sal Pal Friday is the highest rated segment on the radio and it's not close. I mean, the share was ridiculous because they want to hear about this team from the preeminent voice on this team in the area. Wow. And we got them right here. (laughs) How about it? That is great. Congratulations to sports bash and Mike Gill. That's fantastic. I love being on your show. I thought it was because of Johnny G and the grinder team at Burger Realty in Ocean City, New Jersey. That's got to be the reason. <laughs> yes, indeed. And guess what? Uh, I got wait, wait. Two. Real quick, though, before we roll, one of these offensive coordinators, Kellen Moore, Frank Wright, Cliff Kingsbury, Jared Johnson, Jim Bob Cooter, anybody jump off the page? I like Cliff Kingsbury because I, I agree with Nick. I think there should be some fresh, bold ideas. I think Kingsbury is modern. He'll get into Jalen's head. He'll talk to him. If anybody can reach him with some ideas, and he's, you know, he's not far from being out of college. He had a dual threat quarterback in Arizona. I know his record wasn't great, but that's Arizona. You know, here he's coming to a playoff. Took him to a playoff. Yes, he did. He did. But now he's got a front office that's paying attention. It's going to be aggressive. I like the Kingsbury idea quite a bit. All right. Uh, by the way, did you make it to Isabella's Pizzas? Everybody wanted me to ask. <laughs> Mike, it was, honestly, it was so darn cold last week. I never left the hotel except to go to the game. I got picked up by a car service and taken to the game and came back. But this weekend, I'll be back. And I promise I will get to Isabella's. I will take a picture from Isabella's, and I will send it to you. And, Mike, by the way, happy birthday. I know it's your birthday weekend coming up. Happy birthday, Mike. Yes, yesterday was the birthday. Now, my plan was to go to Baltimore, but when the Ravens won the game, my girlfriend said going to be too crazy down there with the Ravens (laughs) fans, so we called an audible and we're going someplace else. But I said, but Sal's buying me Isabella's pizza. Oh well, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll come down to Atlantic City uh, and I'll and I'll and I'll buy you a pizza for your birthday. Or better yet, we'll all go to Uncle Bill's down in Ocean City and we'll take you out for a birthday breakfast like we did last time. That's but right. I'll we went to it. breakfast last year for my birthday, and you got me yes, a very nice did. gift. By the way, I, I remember and I appreciate it. 
Well, listen, Michael, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be on your show. Uh, I'm glad we're having great success together. Uh, and go birds. All right, man. I will, I will text you the number. You might fall out of your seat when you see the share. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> uh, Sal Palantonio, ESPN. He's in Baltimore for the AFC Championship game. Um, it's Buffalo. I mean, excuse me. Oh, sorry, Buffalo people. It's uh, Kansas City in Baltimore. He is in Baltimore with the Ravens. And, of course, I am here in Atlantic City with the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Sal Palantonio, ESPN Senior National Correspondent. Lucky to have him here on the show. And, of course, we got a lot more to do. He's right. Um, oh, Kingsbury's interesting. Like I talked about him yesterday. He said he likes Cliff Kingsbury. Fresh, bold ideas. He could talk to Hertz. I want to talk a little bit more about Cliff Kingsbury and the offense because there's a new name that just got entered into the equation, and I want to see what Eagle fans think about it. Mike Missinelli tonight at 5 o'clock. Mikey Miss is back to tell us what he thinks about Sirianni staying. Vic Fangio joining the staff and more. That's tonight at 5 o'clock with Mike Bissinelli. That was Sal Palantonio. And this is the one and only Sports Pass live on 97.3 ESPN. It's this. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. Keeping the fans entertained and happy. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, 328 on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Mike Gill with you. That was Sal Palantonio. We appreciate him jumping on board. Of course, uh, you know, the Eagles offseason is here, and the offseason doesn't quite kick off just yet in terms of player movement. But, you know, I said I think that the Vic Fangio signing kind of signifies to me that I think this team is going to be a little bit of an aggressive uh, team in free agency. I don't know. Um, like I haven't looked at the free agent list yet in terms of, I think there's a strong safety linebacker corner. Um, you know, like are the Eagles, like to me, their history, I had a guy ask me the other day, what I think the Eagles are going to do in the draft. We talked about the draft in the first hour. I got a couple text messages about draft. In fact, let me bring up a couple of the text messages here. Um, that, um, that have come in over the last hour and a half of the show. Mike, I like your take, and I like the experience of the hire. Um, he says that, can we ask uh, Andrew, who's on for football at four, but I want to bring the question up. He said about the defensive guys they have in his acceptance. What does he think about young players like Ricks, Brown, Ringo, Job, Goodrich, Ojomo, Smith, Tui Peloto? And does he think that those guys will develop into quality starters? Those are guys that the Eagles have found, drafted, um, signed as undrafted rookie free agents. And if you mention the names, Ricks, Brown, Ringo, Josh Job, Mario Goodrich, those guys are all secondary players. So I'm not sure the Eagles are going to draft in that area, but I think what they're going to do is what they've done in the past. 
follow their blueprint of the past. Is there a free agent corner that maybe we can be in play for or a free agent linebacker or safety? Or is there somebody who's on the last year of their deal that we can trade for? That's another area where you need to look. Who's on the last year of their deal? It's like a basketball trade, right? The Eagles are good at finding who's on the last year of their deal on a bad team or a team that doesn't have a lot of expectations. And, hey, let's go and say, who's not going to be good next year? Who's a team that we know is probably not going to be all that good? You know, and you take a look at, I don't know, is there a team, if I say to you, Give me one team next year that you can definitively say in your mind is not going to be good. Who would you say? Carolina. All right. That's a good one. New coach, Dave Canales. They hired him today. I'm actually pulling up the list of who would be a free agent in 2025 to see who's on the final year of their deal. Um, Like if you just kind of ran it like Tennessee, are they going to be good next year? Probably not. Probably not. Um, it's not a lot of teams. Buffalo, they're going to be good next year, right? Miami, probably going to be good next year. Yeah. New England. New England might not be good next year. Maybe not. The Jets? Ugh, I'm assuming they're going to be good if they're healthy. If we're, if we're going off the Mike Gill principle of assume that they're healthy, then yes, they will be good. Uh, Baltimore will be good. Cincinnati should be good. Cleveland, we think, will be good. Pittsburgh. I mean, when I say good, I'm talking about you're in playoff contention, like right. down to the last week. Absolutely. Uh, Houston. Has to be. Indianapolis. Meh. Well, they almost made the playoffs this year. Yeah, but how much that was luck? You know, I mean, they, they I mean, were very... luck hasn't played for them in quite some... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was good. Um, I don't know. Why, why would it be luck? They had a backup quarterback and came down to literally the last game of the season. If they would have won, they would have been in the playoffs. They're also playing in a weak division last year. Will the division still be as weak next year? Does it matter if the division is weak again? That would mean they're probably going to be in contention for a playoff team. I'm working out the assumption the division will get better. Uh, Houston, but I could say the same thing for Houston. Houston played in a bad division. So. But Houston has a stud quarterback. They do. The Colts, Indianapolis drafted a quarterback who got hurt and missed and the whole year. now he's a year behind. He is, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think Indianapolis is, is going to be meh in the middle. Uh, Jacksonville should be in the middle. Tennessee is one team that I think might take a step like towards like the four to five win team. Denver, Kansas City, the Raiders. Like, I can't think of a team in the AFC that's a dumpster fire. Yeah, there's not really one. Specific I mean, New England team. this year was the worst team in the league uh, in the AFC, but we looked at them differently because Belichick was there, and they had some substantial wins this year. Dallas, they're not going to be terrible. The no. Giants, are they a dumpster? Or I mean, if you get Daniel Jones back, they're going to lose Saquon Barkley most likely. I think they're above dumpster, but I don't know if they're a playoff team necessarily. Washington is another one that's interesting. You're going to get a new coach there. They haven't hired a coach yet. No. There's rumors it might be Ben Johnson. Going to be new quarterback there probably. Most likely, yes. Okay. How many dumpster fire teams are there where you think, and look, by the way, if you're the Eagles, the Giants and the Cowboys and, and then the Commanders being two teams that you think are dumpsters aren't much help because I doubt they're going to trade you key pieces. Right. Well, like, for example, I'm looking at the, the guys who were on the final year of their contract next year. And some of these guys are on teams that are not going to want to trade them, you know, and two of them are in Dallas. 
You got Zach Martin and you got Brandon Cooks. They're both in the final year of their contracts next year. The Dallas ain't trading those guys. So, you know, you look around. They're certainly not trading them to Philadelphia. Right. Right, exactly. They might trade them and not to Philadelphia. Yeah. But, like, for example, here, yeah, here's like, a. Real quick, though. Yeah. Let me finish through. Chicago, are they a dumpster fire? No. They're probably going to be above they're, 500. They're ascending. Lions, no. No. Packers, no. No. Minnesota, not a dumpster fire. I mean, if they get healthy and they clean things up, they're probably right back in it. Atlanta. Depends on who the head coach is, right? Uh, but you're, you're imagining the head coach is either going to be Belichick, Vrabel. Like, they're going to probably get an upgraded head coach there. Yes. Carolina, okay. You could say dumpster fire, but I would even say their defense was good last year. New head coach, very offensive-minded, Dave Canales. You got the first pick in the draft from last year. Are they going to be a dumpster fire? Well, remember, or are they, they going to be a that team that's like – no, the first pick in the draft they had last. Bryce Young is essentially what I'm saying. Oh, they right. had, last year's first round. Yes, they had the pick. first pick in the draft playing quarterback for them now. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, are they going to be a dumpster fire, or are they going to be a team that's like, oh, we could get to 7-10, and 8-9, and we're kind of in that South playoff conversation? That's hopeful. The Saints, Tampa Bay. Arizona, I mean, I think that team's on the way up, not Arizona's down. Arizona's on the way up. Definitely. Rams, Niners, and Seahawks. Seahawks will be interesting. Can they maintain the success without Pete Carroll? Give me a team if you're listening. If you're listening to this conversation and you're like, whoa, 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 this team's going to be – like, what team right now feels like they're going to be the worst team in the league? That's all. Yeah, because for, for me, it's Carolina. If you want to pick up the phone and say, we'll give the examples. A couple of years ago. You had Chauncey Gardner-Johnson playing for a Saints team. They did not want to sign him. He's on the last year of his deal. Fine, we'll trade him. The Bills a couple of years ago, they had Ronald Darby, and he was on the last year of his deal, and the Eagles called the Bills and ended up making a trade to get Darby. You're looking for somebody who's on the last year of the deal that a team doesn't want to pay. Carolina, guy on the last year of their deal, Dante Jackson, the corner. There's someone the Eagles could use. Okay. So, I also would say, and I was looking at this the other day, I wrote an article over at 973ESPN.com about they have the free agent rankings for every single position. And I thought that the corner spot had a couple interesting names that you can, um, Ladarius Sneed was in there. Uh, he's a guy that I think that you would help this team out because he could play inside or outside. Well, we're assuming that, if you're bringing in a corner, that one of the guys who is a projected starting corner is not going to be that position anymore. Because as of this second, Bradbury, Slay, and Maddox, they are all guys who are locked in. So unless you're going to move one of them to safety, we're going to find a way to get out well, of the Well, I, I, I'm going under the assumption, and again, it's January 25th. I'm going under the assumption. I'll use, um, I'll use in my mind... I think Roseman will find a way to get out of the Bradbury deal. Okay. Um, Jalen Johnson, he's probably the top corner on the market. Well, there was a lot of talk that the Eagles had interest in him at the trade deadline this year, that Chicago was just asking for too much. He would be a guy to keep an eye on. Legarius Sneed, uh, who's going to be still playing this weekend, but he's a guy that is – 
you know, a guy that can play inside, outside, I think he would be a big upgrade. You've got um, – now, the problem is some of the corners are a little older. Gilmore, Nelson, you're not going to bring Nelson back. Uh, Kendall Fuller, would he be somebody that would be an upgrade? Uh, Kenny Moore from Indianapolis, he has a little bit of uh, – uh, his name was mentioned in trade talk – you know, a couple times as well. So there's a couple, but I think you're you're more at the top end. Those two at the top, Jalen Johnson, Legarius Sneed at corner. All right, when you go to the these are free agents now. You go to the safety position, you can go out and get Antoine Winfield Jr. That might be where you say. Remember a couple of years ago, we went out and got Reddick. We went out and traded for AJ Brown. Well, we're going to do something in that realm. Mm-hmm. We're going to go out and get Antoine Winfield. Uh, Kyle Duggar is a nice player. After that, I think there's a little bit of a drop-off at the safety position. By the way, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he is a free agent again as well, I also, would imagine. Buffalo's Micah Hyde. He's right. going to be a free agent. This year? According to Spot Track, yes. I do not have him on this uh PFF list. Jeremy Chin, by the way, a guy that people wanted to draft a couple of years ago. Um is he going to be a free agent next year or this offseason? This offseason. All right. Don't see him on this list. But um, you go to linebacker. All right. You go to linebacker and say, um, can we get help at that spot? Uh, Frankie Luva, Luvu from uh, Carolina. That's a team that you mentioned. Might be not very good. Are they going to spend money to bring a linebacker back? I don't think the one name that people keep tweeting at me is Patrick Queen. He is going to be a free agent this offseason. Um, that type of player. Are the Eagles going to spend money in free agency to go after that spot? Yeah, he's, he's a guy that Spot Track has rated as a guy who get paid a lot of money. Right. So that's my point is you might like some of the names at linebacker, but they're probably going to be making a lot of money. And then yesterday, Roseman mentioned Nicobe Dean. Pretty much, not not pretty much, definitively by name. I'll read you exactly what he said. He says, I think you don't want, I feel like we've had a long history of success here building a team a certain way. I think maybe there are some preconceived notions that at the linebacker position that we don't care who we play at linebacker. Again, our two Super Bowl teams over the last six years, the linebacker play was good from those guys. If anything, it's my belief in the players that we have, the young players that we have. I have a lot of belief, and I know Coach does as well, in Nicobe Dean. I believe in the player. I believe in the person. We lost two linebackers at that spot, two good players from our Super Bowl team, and we had Nicobe Dean waiting in the wings. We drafted him for that role. Obviously, it didn't work out perfectly for him this year, but that doesn't change the belief we have in him as a player. So it sounds pretty strong there. A strong endorsement for Nicobe Dean will be back. Now, the other guy, he said, we felt like we have the ability to get an off-ball linebacker, Will linebacker, who can run and hit. And honestly, when you watch the tape, Zach Cunningham had a good year. He really did. He had a mentally, mentality that we like for that position. Of course, we missed some guys that we left, that left us free agents, missed some of those guys on and off the field that we had strong relationships with. So, he said, then we felt like we'd have the ability to get an off-ball linebacker. So that could be a spot that he might have played his hand a little bit. N'Kobe Dean is back, but maybe we get the off-ball linebacker who's a little bit more athletic, a little bit more of a playmaker. So 
keep those things in mind when you think about what Vic Fangio might be like. I don't want to say again. I said this in the first hour, but I don't think Vic Fangio is coming in with an iron fist and saying, "I need linebackers. I need you to get me a corner. I need you to get me two safeties." But I think getting Vic Fangio comes with we need to get him more credibility, uh, ta- more talent. Right. It's about getting the talent. It's not about specific positions. It's about getting talent across the board. Because when you lost all those starters from 2022 to 2023, it, it damaged you. All right. I got a lot of text messages coming in right now on the conversation. So let's get to them on the other side. Football at four. Andrew DeCecco's here. Mike Missinelli at five o'clock tonight. And I'm Mike Gill. This is the Sports Bash live on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. When we come back, I read and react to all your text messages that just came in in the last segment. 609-403-0973. Hit me up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. 11 to the top of the hour. Your text messages continue to come in. Fast and Furious, 609-403-0973. And those of you listening on the station app, just hit the Message Us button on the app on your phone. 609-403-0973. Uh, Joe uh, from Galloway listening on the app says, Does Isaiah Rogers fit in anywhere yeah, he's a guy that can probably play some uh, outside corner, slot corner. You know, he's actually um, was a Pro Bowl return guy um, for the Colts. He was a kick returner, punt returner, started about 10 games at corner out there. People forget about Isaiah Rogers. I have an article up about him on our website. He was the guy the Colts had. He got suspended for all of this year for gambling on the games, on, on whatever he did. I don't know, gambling, gambling on football. Uh, him and a bunch of Colts got, and they all got released. And the Eagles picked up Rodgers, and he's still with the team, and he'll be back uh, playing this year. So good question, Joe and Galloway. Um, yeah, he is a guy that should be in play for getting playing time this year. Um, Dan and EHT says the Eagles need to, need to get Queen in free agency. Danny B, EHT. Uh, I think Queen's going to probably be too much money. You know, he's the kind of guy that somebody, I don't know. I mean, we don't know what teams are on the league, but I think the linebacking position is starting to kind of make a comeback a little bit, if you will. And it's not the same guys that we grew up with. If you're in my age bracket, you know, Mike Singletary's not playing middle linebacker for you. Carl Mecklenburg is not out on the field. Uh, Harry Carson's not out on the field. You know, Carl Banks isn't out there. These linebackers are different. These guys are like safeties playing linebacker right now. So um, it's just a different game. But I think as 
a generation of linebackers has kind of come through now. There is like more guys that have that play that position at the size they are now. You know, you went through this like weird time where you had these bigger guys still trying to play linebacker, but they weren't fast enough. And now, you know, you have an understanding that the linebacker has changed. Well, that's been about 10 years now. So you have like 10 years worth of guys kind of infiltrating through high school, college at a, at a smaller size, more athletic. And now when they get to the league, they have played linebacker where before it was almost like teams were trying to get safeties and move them to linebacker and teach them a whole new position. You know, the Eagles did it with Nate Geary. He was a safety in college at Nebraska. Hey, why don't you come play linebacker? You're, too slow to play safety, too small to play linebacker, and it was a disaster. But he had never played linebacker before, so you're asking a guy. Uh, another text. Kingsbury most likely will be Sirianni's replacement. Sirianni has no chance for long-term in Philly. Expectations are literally impossible for an Eagles head coach. Um, I don't know that Kingsbury would be someone that would be Sirianni's replacement. Uh, McMullen said yesterday on the show a name to keep an eye on would be Lincoln Riley. Him and Roseman have a relationship. And these college coaches, they just don't want to be in the college game anymore. The NIL, all that nonsense, they don't want to have to deal with that if they don't have to. Um, so I don't think Kingsbury would be a candidate for the head coach. I don't think if Kingsbury even gets a job. Oh, by the way, the other name we brought up, earlier that we never got to, was Kellen Moore, right? Kellen Moore, the former Cowboys. Where was he this year? He was the Chargers. Yeah, uh, not a fan of Kellen Moore. Um, I think he's a smart guy, probably a good coordinator in terms of smart, good schemes. I just thought in Dallas he misused the talent there so much. They threw way too much when they had Pollard playing at a high level and Elliott. I don't think he utilized those weapons enough. They threw too much. I don't think Kellen Moore's an idiot. I just feel like he is. But I think his style of offense is something the Eagles might be interested in. He has a very aggressive style of offense. He's all about pushing the ball down the field and Two of the four years he was in Dallas, they had the number one total yardage offense in all the NFL. So he he knows something. So maybe if, the, if Sirianni's whole theory is, I want fresh ideas, well, he might have some fresh ideas. I don't know if he's the best candidate, but yeah. he, he'll have some fresh ideas. Yeah, it would just worry me that this team would turn into a really pass, 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 pass happy type of team. And, hey, with A.J. Brown and Smith, it's not the worst thing in the world, um, but... I don't know. I always looked at the Dallas teams and said they didn't get enough out of their, you know, like, I thought Pollard, but before he got hurt, I thought Pollard was underutilized. They could have done a much better job right. with the younger version of Pollard. Um, the San Diego or LA offense this year was not Well, they, the LA offense suffered a ton of injuries, you know, and then when they fired the head coach, everybody just kind of melted in for the rest of the season. So he was kind of in a bad situation. Uh, 609-403-0973. Mike, I don't see any way how we can get out of that Bradbury deal. Uh, I don't know that... Listen, Roseman's a lot smarter than me and you combined. So he will figure out a way to get out of that deal if there is a way to get out of it. I think Roseman signs these deals and before he signs them, has already figured out how to get out of them before they're agreed upon. Like, I'm not giving you a deal without knowing how I can get out of the deal. I think Roseman said when he gave that Bradbury deal. There's got to be, you know, it's like watching Suits. 
Here's the, the, the bylaws. Go find a loophole. There's a loophole somewhere in that contract that we haven't seen yet. Because he doesn't just give them that deal and say, I can't figure out how to get out of it, Cole. That's my take on that. But you might be right. Maybe there is no way out. But if there is one, he'll find it. Football is for his next. Jersey 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Andrew DeCecco, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. We're never satisfied. That hunger for more. That hunger for more. I have it. Everyone has it. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Uh, Andrew DeCecco's here. We'll get his take on everything that is happening. He was at the press conference yesterday. Looks like Vic Fangio, according to sources, is going to be the new Eagle defensive coordinator. We have some new names on the offensive coordinator side. And a lot of questions coming in for Andrew for today's football at four as the offseason is here. And Andrew DeCecco from InsideTheBirds.com is here on this edition of Football at Four. Andrew, what's up, my brother? What's up, MG? There are no no shortage of talking points today. No, there's not. And uh, you were at the press conference yesterday, and I guess right smack in the middle of it, news came down that Vic Fangio was leaving Miami. That had to be a very interesting point in the presser yesterday. And then today, uh, pretty much announced that he will be the coordinator. So uh, I want to get your take on that. If Vic Fangio is running the defense and they make no additions is this defense significantly better? Well, it's interesting because you couldn't help but draw parallels when you when they were 30 minutes behind schedule. Then you see that news drop. I don't know if, it, if they had something in the works there, but it surely seemed like that was going to be inevitable. Vic Vangio coming here. They had a ton of disciples. They tried it with Gannon. They tried it with the side, but now they get the real deal. And it's, it's really interesting because you're getting Vic Vangio at 65 years old. He's someone who is an authoritative, commanding presence, as I understand. He's been termed a, a strict disciplinarian and someone who explains the why behind film study, really details it and you know expects players to deep dive, and he wants them to understand it. And I, I really do think he's going to get the best out of the players that are here, but he's also a no-nonsense type of coach, as I understand it. So anyone that's not fully bought in, He'll, he'll be able to sniff that out right away. Now, the question becomes, what what are they going to do personnel-wise? Because obviously you're running that scheme more or less last season, and you didn't have the personnel equipped to run that efficiently. So with all, with all you know with, through the draft, through free agency, you have to wonder what they're going to do in order to – I mean, they have to overhaul that defense, really, to be able to execute what Vic Vangio likes to do, the two-high safety scheme limit explosive force, the short throws. So they're going to have their work cut out for them this offseason. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, Vic Fangio, he runs a very similar style of what we've seen here, but he's the originator of it. So you go get the original guy, you don't get the knockoffs. So with the talent they have, we had a question that came in earlier specifically for you, Andrew. Uh, some of these younger guys, does any of these guys appeal to Vic Fangio? Or do you think, um, like, I look at this earlier in the show, I talked about, and I don't know what this means for Ringo and Ricks and Job and, you know, Goodrich and that crew. But you hire Vic Fangio. I, I almost feel like Roseman, that's the first move of saying we're going to be aggressive and we're going to go upgrade the talent. But do any of those guys to you 
play well in this style? Is this the best style for that group of, of corner young guys? Well, I was obviously working the phones this morning, making some uh, some calls and reaching out to some folks familiar with the situation. And I specifically mentioned this, the defensive back situation, knowing that the Eagles have a young core of DBs that struggled from communication and tackling and just fundamentals. There was a lot of lapses last season. And I was curious as to how Vic Fangio would go about refining that. And the the source told me, make no mistake, he's going to, you know, if, if you can't communicate, you can't play. That They're going to harp on that, and that's going to be something where they make it a point of emphasis and they drill that into the players. But I think Keely Ringo, to, to your point, really fits into that scheme well. He did some good things last year, and I think we'll be able to build on that. But you don't just want to rest on your laurels and assume that you get Keely Ringo, you have an Isaiah Rogers, who, by the way, uh, will apply for reinstatement after the Super Bowl, but that's an unknown entity. You don't want to you don't want to go into the season assuming that you have players there like the Eagles did with the Kobe Dean. But I think Ricks can serve a purpose as a depth player. But they are going to have to go through the draft to add a safety, add a at a high end corner, and maybe you might see some some Vic Vangio, um, former Miami Dolphins that enjoyed playing with them. There's a couple safeties out there that, that could that could fit as a free agent, namely uh, Brandon Jones. So I'm interested to see how they piece that together. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with Fangio when he looks at the film of these guys, who he's intrigued by, who he likes, who he kind of thinks that, you know, because I guess one of the first things would be you're sitting in a room, Howie Roseman, Vic Fangio, you're going over this roster. All right. Who can still play? Who do we need to replace? I'm wondering if Fangio, you kind of say he's disciplinarian and is he going to have a voice? in that room in terms of what type of players I need. Absolutely. Just, you know, the, if the press conference was any indication to whoever presides over the defense, which in this case is going to be Vic Fangio, they're going to have full autonomy of personnel and decision-making, and they're going to be able to run that side of the football, much like the offensive coordinator will. Nick is going to be the CEO type of head coach that oversees everything. So I really do think that, you know, you're, you're allowing your, your veteran coach and Vic Fangio to, supply the defense with what he needs, at least give some input via draft prospects, certain certain uh, builds of players that you need to be able to run looking at the defensive line, maybe linebacker, and you kind of just let him go to work. Now, they do have a lot of work to do, but they, they, have, they have some wiggle room there through the draft, some high-end uh, draft, draft selections and free agency where I think you're going to see them completely revamp the defense. Uh, much, much, I mean, they have to. Uh, yes, and uh, some of those revampings probably need to be at corner with the Bradbury deal, very difficult to get out of. The Slay deal, not great either. Your mind, does Vic Fangio have to, have to have those two corners to work with next year? Are they both back here? Well, Bradbury's uh, pretty difficult with the $17.2 million dead cap hit, four point eight cap hit. I don't know what you're able to do with him. I, I know you. Would, I know a lot of folks out there would like the Eagles to just cut their losses and move on, but that's a, that's an exorbitant chunk of change there. So I, if I'm the Eagles, I'm trying to find a way to make it work. Maybe you're moving him to a safety role, to a specialty position where he's covering up tight ends, and that's your that's your guy to do that. But certainly, you want to roll him out there and be your outside corner, expecting a rebound as he continues to age. I think that would be malpractice. Now, I do think that there is a role for him, just not certainly not as a starter. Darius Slay is where it gets interesting, right? 33 years old. 
I thought he did some good things last year, but you know, you're, you're reaching that age with Slay where corners tend to fall off and you don't want to wait for the other shoe to drop. You want to have a succession plan in place for when that happens. And it has yet to be seen how he's going to fit into that scheme. And, and, you know, veteran players, not all veteran players are going to buy into a coach who is going to come in here with that no-nonsense brash attitude because they've accomplished a lot in this league. So you, you don't know how every veteran is going to be receptive to that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I said this before, you know, Roseman, obviously, he gives these deals. I would – and look, I, I don't know how he gets out of the Bradbury deal. He – they ate the Wentz money and played a whole season with his dead cap hit. But does he hand that deal out saying, I know a way to get out of the deal? I mean, we'll see. I mean, if anybody can get out of a deal, it's probably Roseman. But those two deals might be almost impossible to get out of because uh, of the dead caps and the money, as you just kind of chronicled there. Byard's another interesting one. Like, does Fangio say, you know what? Now I got a full training camp with Kevin Byard. I think he's a guy that would fit. What do you th- What do you think about that? Well, on paper, that, that trade looked like it was going to be a home run, but Kevin Byer didn't really add a whole lot to the back end there. He was actually a primary culprit in many of the communication breakdowns. I thought his tackling was pretty shoddy. And when you needed a veteran leader, when Slay went out, Bradbury's more of a quiet guy, you would expect someone like a Kevin Byer to be able to get those guys lined up to really be to be assertive in his communication. And you never really see that. So I almost wonder if you turn the page from him and maybe you look to at another veteran safety, maybe with some familiarity with Vic Fangio, like a couple of the Dolphins players who I mentioned, and go from there. Uh, that being said, if Kevin Byers will come back on, on a relatively uh, favorable deal, that changes things. But I think right now you want some familiarity there if you're Vic Fangio to kind of help implement the defense and get guys on the same page and show them how it's supposed to look like. All right, more uh, text messages coming in for Andrew. Andrew, will Fangio, can he move Slay to safety, or is he CB1 when he's uh, when he's here? I think next season would probably be his final season as a CB1. I don't know that he would transition too well to safety. Look at the, the, the tackling isn't there, the physicality. To be able to get downhill and make those tackles, I, I don't, I don't view that as a Walter Thurmond, if you will, situation where I thought he was a little bit more of a scrappy type of player, cornerback that made that transition. But I think this will probably be his final season as CB one. It's just a matter of how they choose to utilize him if, in terms of how effective he'll be in that scheme. Yeah, um, we'll, uh, you know, got more text messages coming in for you here, Andrew. So we'll sure, read off some, some of the stuff uh, from uh, here. Um, but, but before we get to the, the, you know, I would, before we get back to the text messages that are coming in for Andrew, and you can keep them coming, 609-403-0973. Um, the one thing with Vic Fangio, you know, you say, hey, he's the guy who originated this defense. He's the, the, the best, uh, of these guys in terms of Gannon, Desai. Um, do you think though that this, the Fangio style of defense, that teams have figured it out? that it's kind of, you know, an antiquated uh, scheme in this league, or is it still something that you think can work? Like, would you have rather have seen, like, hey, you got Vic Fangio, he's the best at running it, but would you have rather seen them change the philosophy on defense? Well, I think if if, if recent, uh, I guess recent data is any indication, the NFL has caught up to his scheme. Now, we've seen a lot of, you know, like you said, a lot of disciples and a lot of 
knockoffs, if you will, try to run his scheme to varying degrees of success. Now, I will say, give him an opportunity to run it his way. This is the architect of that defense. See what it looks like with the players that he needs, not the players that he's sort of been afforded, and and see if he's able to sort of work his scheme around his personnel, which I understand that he is apt to do. So I'm interested to see how he sort of is able to mold and be flexible with his scheme and, and adapt it to the personnel at his disposal. Uh, all right, let's get a question for Andrew. This is from Glenn in Northfield. To steal some comments from the Niners, most teams focus on the outside of defense, so they built a team focusing their offense on plays down the middle. I believe we need to do this for the on the Birds' defense. In other words, it sounds like a question, do they need to get better in the middle of the field, linebacker safety? Uh, <clears throat> is that something that, uh, I don't know, Roseman brought up that whole thing about N'Kobe Dean yesterday, and that there's this preconceived notion that we don't go after linebackers. What was your takeaway from that answer? Yeah, he sort of bristled at the notion. By the way, he alluded the first part of, of Bo Wolf's question when he asked him about if he was surprised, given the allocated resources of the defensive line, that they weren't as productive as, as they probably should have been. And he went right to linebacker, which was a curious play from Howie Roseman, and he was really defensive in that, and he threw out N'Kobe Dean and how much faith they have in N'Kobe Dean, and he thought that Zach Cunningham had a decent season. So, I mean, it, it doesn't give you that sense that that, they, that they're that they going to depart from what they believe in, their philosophical approach to the position. Now, you might see a free agent addition, like a, maybe a Josie Jewell and probably a draft pick there to, to supplement the position. But I really do think that they're going to roll with, by and large, what we've seen. Now, you're going to see a, a slight upgrade from the Zach Cunningham-Nicholas Morrow but I also think that Vic Vangio is going to say, hey, look, you got to give me something else to work with if you want me to run my scheme to the, to the, to the level that I know that we should be able to do it. So, uh, I mean, they're going to have to change their philosophical approach, at least alter it a little bit to have the, to maximize what they're able to do defensively. Uh, this one says, the Fangio hiring for me doesn't change much. Howie always need to be aggressive this offseason. And what he said yesterday about Dean and the cornerback contract, <laughs> I don't see how much this is changing. Do you think the Fangio hiring, uh, it's status quo, or does that change your outlook on the Eagles' uh, mindset? Uh, it, it changes my outlook on the mindset a little bit because <clears throat> you're affording someone with full autonomy and allowing him to have full control of the defense and have a, a heavy hand in, in crafting it in your vision. And the same thing goes for offense versus what we've grown accustomed to seeing over the past few years where there's a lot of meddling. Nick Sirianni was you know, sort of spread thin, if you will, going between defense, offense, and you're he wasn't really able to dedicate any of his attention where it needed to be, and that's overseeing the whole thing as the CEO. So I think that's interesting, but it almost feels like you're taking a step back by hiring Vic Vangio and and reverting back to the to the scheme that that really it looks like that. You talk about the offense being stale, the defensive scheme over the past few seasons has started to look like it's getting a little stale, and the league is caught up to it as they do with most trends. And you have to completely revamp your, your, your personnel that doesn't right now as it stands. I mean, they, they can't line up. They can't run that scheme right now. So they have a lot of work to do. So it, it doesn't seem – it seems like they got, the, they got the guy that they wanted all along last year, but they have a lot of work to do in order to bring it up to speed. And when you have a, quarter, uh, a head coach, I should say, like Nick Sirianni, who by all accounts is on the clock – that's a, that's a lot of work to do in only a few short months. All right, Andrew Checo inside the birds.com. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Kellen Moore's name, Cliff Kingsbury, Jared Johnson, 
Frank Reich, Jim Bob Cooter. Some of those names have been mentioned. Not sure how realistic some are, some aren't. Any of those names pop off to you? Is there somebody else that you like? Well, Kellen Moore, because he has he has experience calling plays. Gerard Johnson's uh, someone who's intrigued me, but I don't know that you want to give full autonomy to a, a young coach who hasn't who has no experience calling plays. Because if you're Nick Sirianni, your fate more or less lies in the hands of your coordinators that you choose, and he would have to sort of guide them, much like he had to with Brian Johnson, and have some some input there. So I don't know that that would be the choice. But Kellen Moore, to me, is someone who I think when you look at his work with Dak Prescott. Yeah, Justin Herbert didn't have the season that many envisioned going in, but I think that you need somebody. His his primary focus would be get Jalen Hurts back MVP form, and I think that you would be able to see noticeable a noticeable difference there. Um, their hire to me, Mike, is all going to come down to who has the best plan in getting our quarterback, our two hundred and fifty million dollar quarterback to the standard that he was at in 2022. And I think uh, of the candidates that you mentioned, Kellen Moore to me would be the most adept at doing that. And he runs a modified West coast scheme, which I think would best suit what the Eagles can do offensively right now. Yeah. Let me uh, get your thoughts then. If, if If a coordinator came in here, is there an area on this offense where they would say, we need an upgrade at that position on the offensive side of the ball? Mm-hmm. Well, you talk about the middle of the field defensively, which the whoever texted it in, they made a great point. But I would also argue that offensively, the Eagles have to have a much more sound tactic in, utilize, in attacking the middle of the field. Yeah, you have Dallas Goddard, but you need more than that. And they really struggled having identifying a third receiver that could, could really alter the, the middle of the field and have teams respect that. Quez Watkins is a free agent. Alameda Zacchaeus is a free agent. And I think when you look at the Eagles as they're currently constituted, you have to say, okay, we got to upgrade our third receiver spot here and someone who's really good at creating space. Now, to me, right now on the roster, I think Britton Covey is somebody who offers an interesting dimension, and I think he deserves more opportunities offensively, creating space for guys like A.J. and Devontae to work. You saw him flash a little bit when he had his opportunities, but you also need to – in my opinion, look at someone in free agency like a Jawan Johnson from the San Francisco 49ers, who I think would be really good in that role. And also look to the draft, I think, to pair a young receiver with what you already have. But they certainly need to upgrade there. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, I, what's your opinion on what to do it with Swift at running back? I mean, do you bring, I don't know, do you, do you, they're probably not going to spend money on him. Uh, Scott's a free agent. I think Gainwell is one more year. What's that running back position look like for you? Man, that that's uh, – that that's a whole mess there. The only one under contract, as you said, was Kenny Gainwell. And I know you're not of the belief that DeAndre Swift really maximizes opportunities, and there are moments where he disappeared, and there's others that feel the same way. But to me, I view him as a, a, a head and shoulders more dynamic player than a Miles Sanders, but I also think that he needs a power element to complement him. So they envision that being Rashad Penny. That's obviously didn't happen, but I think they need to go through the draft and try and find somebody in the third round or so uh, between the tackle with Bruiser, and he can sort of complement with that and give them more of a balanced rushing attack with having Kenny Gainwell mix in as a change-up runner and someone that can catch passes out of the backfield. That's where I think that they. Sh- that's how I think they should address that. 
All right, Deposition. Andrew DeCecco, uh, as he said, not a uh, not not a dearth of things to not talk about here. The Eagles have a ton of stuff coming up now. They now have a defensive coordinator. We should get the offensive coordinator here soon, um, and we'll see what's next. Uh, the free agent period uh, just over a month away, uh, and then draft season. Of course, the Eagles have three picks in the top uh, fifty-five of the. You like this year's draft? Yeah, for certain positions, others not so much. Running back is one of the positions that I'm not too high on coming in, but there are a couple of linebackers that I like that are around uh, pick 50 when they pick 55 around there that they should be able to get, which I don't, that still might be a little rich for the Eagles, but they're going to have to change something from a philosophical, philosophical standpoint. Gotcha. Yeah. I, uh, of course, we'll be talking more. Um, about the draft with Andrew as that gets a little closer. Looking forward to that season as well uh, as the all-season championship weekend. You can hear the games right here on 97.3 ESPN. And, of course, Andrew DeCecco on Football at Four. All right, brother, we'll talk to you next week, pal. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks. There's Andrew, of course, uh, and the Inside the Birds podcast each and every day, 4 o'clock, Football at Four on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. It's brought to you this hour by Broadleaf Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning. They're your trusted source for heating and plumbing service and installation for generations. Call them, 609-390-3907, online, broadleaves.net. Football at 4 is brought to you by Bet365. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. All right, coming up, Mike Vicinelli at 5 o'clock. Casey Joyner, one thought every game. we got two games this weekend. I want to get his thought, though, on the Fangio defense, how Fangio did in Miami with the defense. Look, I got people breaking down the Bradbury contract. I didn't say it was a good contract or that it's even possible to get out of. I just said if somebody can get out of it, it's Roseman. That doesn't mean he will. I just said if they can, if there is a way, he would be the guy. I don't know that he can. And guess what? He might just eat it. He might just say, the heck with it. I'm getting out of the deal. I don't know if he finds that that Bradbury has any value left and just says, we'll eat the money. I don't say they can definitively get out of that deal. But if somebody can figure out a way out of it, it would be Roseman. But that, to me, the best possibility to get out of that deal He'll find it if there is one. If there is one, that's all. Uh, Sound of the day is on the way. Mike Missinelli at 5, Casey Joyner 530. It's all right here on the Sports Bash. We have the perfect. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, Sports Pass this hour brought to you by Broadleys Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning, online, broadleys.net. Mike Gill with you. Sound of the day. Josh Jennings, my producer. Uh, interesting bites we'll get into today. You hear some uh, from various shows around our platform. Uh, a lot of people talk about the Vic Fangio stuff, this Eagles team. I mean, they really have the interest of the football world right now, and this hiring has really added to what this team might do this offseason. 
Kellen Moore interviewing for the Eagles offensive coordinator job today. So, so throw that into the mix as well. Mike, let's start with uh, Marcus Spears from NFL Live because he had some comments about the idea of the Eagles bringing in Fangio. Now, this was they were discussing this before the news came out this morning that Vic was on a plane to Philadelphia to sign the contract. So there's a little conjecture in this, but I thought some of the points he made was still interesting. First, Marcus Spears on putting Fangio with Sirianni. I think it's a great match. I love Vic Fangio's experience. Nick Sirianni still is a second-year head coach who having a guy on that staff that's been around a tremendous amount of football, obviously understands defense at a very high level, but just somebody to be a sounding board and kind of lead. We always talk about this with young head coaches surrounding themselves with veteran coaches that seen a lot. I like it from that standpoint. Uh, he's a third-year head coach. He's going into his fourth year, but that's besides the point in this um in this situation, I agree. Like, look, would I have endorsed Sirianni coming back? I'm not a hundred percent against Sirianni. I, I, I would say if he got fired, I wouldn't have said they were wrong. If they fired him, I wouldn't have been him and Han. I wouldn't have been stamping my stomping my feet. I'm not warm and fuzzy that they brought him back, but I also wasn't adamant that he needed to go. But the coordinator that they brought in so far on the defensive side of the ball makes me feel better because I agree with what he said. I think you got a guy who's now the adult on the defensive side of the ball, and that's key. Sirianni, it seems to me he had two coordinators that he trusted, Two coordinators that he got along with. Last year, he had two coordinators that I don't know that he trusted enough, and I think it was almost like he had too much on his plate. And then the team started to play well, and maybe he pulled back a little bit on that and said, hey, everything's going well, everything's going good. I don't need to be as on top of these guys. I think Sirianni obviously has value to the organization. Now, you might say he's a puppet, and that's all it is. They're not keeping him just because he's a puppet, okay? They got rid of Chip Kelly. When Kelly decided that, you know, or, or when uh, Lori decided that Kelly uh, Kelly got figured out, he got rid of him, okay? Now, you could say, well, he gave Kelly too much power, and that was the reason why they get rid of him. Eh, I think it was a combination of, he got figured out. He got figured out, and Roseman, um, Lori saw it. I think they legitimately think that Sirianni adds some value. We might not be able to quantify what it is, but I think getting Fangio to run the defense means Sirianni has to focus on less, and that less is more. Now, Nick, you can focus on what you really specialize in. Last year, the size here, it's not going well. Now you're, he said, I got to pop more in the defense room. He doesn't need to pop in the defense room now at all. You got a former head coach that can run your defense. Right. I think that's a huge part of it because, you know, maybe just Sirianni's the kind of guy who needs the right people around him who he knows, I don't have to worry about this guy. I can trust this guy. I can go off and do my job. Speaking of Fangio, the defense, Marcus Spears, who, by the way, played defense in the NFL for about almost a decade. He talked about how Fangio helps the Eagles defense. 
We know Vic Fangio is a guy that is going to make sure there is coverage on the top of a defense. And the worst thing that the Philadelphia Eagles did, as much as we talked about all of the issues, is they couldn't cover a soul. So that should immediately get fixed. And it brings some continuity mm-hmm. to what you know yeah. as a defensive coordinator. You went from the side to Matt Patricia last year. Now you have a constant in the building. Yeah, you got a constant in the building, one thing. You also now have him running the defense from training camp. You now know January who's your guy, who's running the defense, and what type of players you're looking for. Now, you knew that last year with Sean Desai a little bit later, and you knew that he was a similar guy to what you had with Gannon. You also thought a lot of the guys that you were bringing back were going to be similar, and they weren't. No, they weren't. And, you know, maybe part of the reason why you misevaluated some of that was because you didn't have a veteran coach in here. I'm not saying it's all of it, but there has to be some of it where I I don't get the impression, Mike, that Howie Roseman is so egotistical and so... I think a lot of people would disagree with you on that. Well, they can disagree all they want, but I don't see evidence that he is so obstinate that he won't take any input or insight. This is a guy who hired some of the biggest names in the the scouting department world and brought them in here in 2016, 17, and 18. He's brought in former GMs to advise him in that front office. So I genuinely believe that if Vic Fangio goes to Howie Roseman and says, Howie, I know you might love this player, but I'm telling you this player ain't going to work in what we got to do this season. I think Howie is more likely to listen to him then let's say Sean Desai coming in there and saying something. Oh, I definitely think the voice is louder. There's no question about that. I don't think Sean Desai had much of a say in what guys he wanted and what style of players he wanted. Um, I think Vic Fangio has the clout to say, look, you brought me in here, Howie. I'm a veteran guy. I'm a, I used, I was a head coach. These are the guys that if you want me to maximize why you brought me here, these are the guys we need to target. You know, here's a list of eight guys. You pick the guy you want. This guy's my favorite. He's my. These are the style of players I, I'm looking for. Um, as I said at the top of the show, when the news came out today, they're going to hire Vic Fangio. That's going to happen. Uh, sources are already saying that he will be the next defensive coordinator here uh, unless some crazy snag happens. It makes me feel that Lori... Roseman and whoever else understand that this thing went off the rails and we needed a fix and we yes. needed we needed some adults in the room. We had a team that went to the Super Bowl with a young staff, a young talented staff. They tried to duplicate that with a young staff that didn't and have enough experience to handle a Super Bowl yep. team. And now it's okay. We think we have Look, we know they need help, but they think they have enough talent if they add to what they have offensively to compete. And to do that, they felt they needed the best available, and they went and got them. Speaking of the best available, one of the best receivers in the Eagles history was Deshaun Jackson, Mike. Remember him, D-Jax? Well, he was on this morning with uh, Canty and Evan Cohen and Michelle Smallwin on um, unsportsmanlike this morning on 97.3 ESPN. This is DJX's perspective on the Eagles. 
I think moving forward, you know, got to get some, some better coaches in there to help out with the situation. I, mean, I think Jalen Hurts is obviously a great quarterback. He's a franchise quarterback and, uh, you know, got some big time pieces to, to, to put to the puzzle. But, uh, you know, I just think it needs a kind of little, a little rearrangement in, in the room, man. Cause a few, few guys need some, uh, you know, some help in there, man. Definitely. I think DJX is, uh, not wrong. They just need some, uh, few pieces of the furniture to get moved around the room a little bit. Like, on the offense, again, I'm going to continue to say this about the offense. I think they have the talent on offense. I, right. I don't think anybody's looking at the offense and saying, well, they need a lot of changes. Like, my lot is not going anywhere. Dickerson's not going anywhere. You might have a new center, which means you would need a new guard. Lane Johnson's not going anywhere. Right there with Mylotta, Dickerson, Lane Johnson, and Jurgens, whether he's playing center or guard, you should be pretty solid on your offensive line. Yes. AJ Brown, Swift, I mean Smith, Goddard. Those as your three main weapons in the pass game. They're not going anywhere. We don't think anyway. I would imagine they're all back. I mean, maybe AJ Brown bombshell wants to get traded. No indication of that other than him scrubbing his social media. Which a lot of guys do, by the way. He's not the first guy to ever do that. Won't be the last. So, what Andrew said at Football at Four, maybe you get to upgrade your third receiver. You're going to have a, probably a new running back. But I think any coordinator who comes in here is going to say, I can work with this talent. Offensively, we will be a top 10 offense in the league. And I don't have any problem saying that which means you can focus this offseason on the defense, and you've right. done that with the coordinator, but now you need to get some quick upgrades like you did a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, you had a defense that, quite frankly, was just meh, and they went to the playoffs, and they showed they were meh. Well, what'd they do? They went out and got Reddick. They went out and they got Bradbury. They went out and got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They went out and got Kaiser White. They basically brought in four new players to that team. If they go out and get four new players to this team, you probably have a team with Vic Fangio that thinks they can compete with that offense. That's all. Can they compete because their offense is better and much more a identity of the football team? I will say really quick, also, you think about the guy you just named, Hassan Reddick. You don't need to get a Reddick this offseason. You're pretty set on that D-line for the most part. So now you can extra focus on the second and third levels of the defense. You know, one of the problems the Eagles had was they didn't have an Asan Reddick a couple years ago. Well, now you got a Reddick. You drafted well, the Carter. only thing is you have to want, you have to at least wonder if Reddick's the same player. That's all. I don't see that. I tend to believe that he started the year slow because he was coming off of an injury. And when you have a guy who gets double-digit sacks four straight years with four different coordinators, I think he's still got a lot in the tank. We'll see. I mean, I, I, just like Bradbury, he was a second-team All-Pro. One year, the next year, you want to get rid of him. I'm not saying that you want to get rid of Reddick, but I'm wondering if you can count on him the same way that you uh, get the same maximize what you got out of him. I don't know. I I, I don't – I. I can't say that he fell off a cliff. He just didn't seem to be the same player. That's all. Um, and Josh Sweat seemingly did slow down and did drop off. So I definitely would be concerned about that. Like, are my two guys that were my edge rushers that were so key for me two years ago, are they now each 
dropping a step. Right. It's an interesting question. I just I tend to think that they'll be able to focus on other positions in need a little bit more because you don't have as many holes well, as not to mention. Past. You bring it back Fletcher Cox? Probably not. Bring it back Brandon Graham? Probably. All right. So now there's another guy who slowed down from last year to this year. Is he going to slow down even more? And is I he going to have a role? A nominal role. It'll it'll be more like a, you know, wave you know wave hello to people and maybe play a couple snaps a game kind of thing. Okay, what's that cost you? I don't know. Probably not a lot of money. Okay. Well, I mean, if you're factoring him in to help the team in some capacity, rotational, fifteen to twenty snaps. Is he the same player that he was this year? He's certainly not going to be the same player he was two years ago. So right. all those things have to come into to question. No, um, I get that. When when you're thinking about, all right, now, I think that you need to get more from Jordan Davis. Can Vic Fangio get more from Jordan Davis? Can he get more from Jalen Carter? Can he get more from Milton Williams? If you let Fletcher Cox go, how important was Fletcher Cox last year? Who takes those snaps? That's a lot of snaps that you're – you might say Fletcher was good. He wasn't great. No, he wasn't great, but he was pretty solid this year. You weren't complaining like, ah, Fletcher Cox has passed over the hill. He's passed his prime. Get him off the field. No, he was still one of the better players you had. But if he's gone, how many snaps you have to replace? I mean, can you get those snaps from Milton Williams, Jordan Davis? Um, I saw um, we were complaining a lot about using Redick in coverage. Mm-hmm. If you watch the film of Detroit and what Aaron Glenn did with his defensive lineman, now he didn't do it with Aiden Hutchinson as much, but there was a segment on the McAfee show that they showed why, and, and Southpaw brought this up earlier, why Mayfield had such problems. It was like they kept showing that they were bringing five. But they kept dropping somebody different each time. Each time, right. And it made the linemen not know where they were supposed to block. You know, the defensive tackle looks like he's part of the pass rush. Well, then he takes like a fake step towards the line. Then he's backing off into coverage. So these teams are sending defensive linemen into coverage. They're using it as a way to try to decoy the offensive line into not blocking the front right. But what you just said, decoy. There's a huge difference from saying, I'm going to change you a dropping coverage every snap and then consecutive snaps dropping Reddick in the coverage or throwing out a defensive front that you've shown about four or five times in the game. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, and that's where we have to hope that Fangio is a little bit more creative with his looks because they're not going to blitz all that much. And it wasn't that Detroit was blitzing. It was that they were just showing changing, different fronts. Right. They were, they were changing what the quarterback was looking at. Uh, Sports Bass Live this hour brought to you by Broadleaf Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning, 609-390-3907. Mike Missinelli tonight at 5 o'clock. Tomorrow on Compass Media Network's coverage of... Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. 
All right, some breaking news here on the Sports Pass Live 97.3 ESPN. The Falcons have hired their head coach. It's not Bill Belichick. It's not Mike Vrabel. Raheem Morris is getting another job in the NFC South. A former Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach, Raheem Morris, is the new Falcons head coach. Looks like Bill Belichick's going to get shut out. Yeah, unless things change in uh, Washington or Seattle. Not Wa- Seattle, Washington. I mean Washington, D.C. Um, it looks like Belichick's going to well, And Vrabel, maybe. Vrabel, well, Vrabel's interesting because Vrabel was supposed to have a second interview with the Falcons, Mike. And they decided to second interview with Raheem Morris. You're the guy. 13 years after you get his first head coaching job. What is this saying about Belichick, that he is not getting the home run higher that everybody just anticipated that as soon as he hits on the market, everybody's going to – it's similar to what happened to Brady when he left New England. You know, not a lot of teams were interested. By the way, same thing happened to Peyton Manning when he left Indianapolis. Remember, it was hard for him to find a landing spot. Uh, he had a major neck problem. He did, but still, like, there maybe there is something about we on the outside presume that these guys are good to go – but not everyone in the league feels the same way about these people. I have to wonder, Mike, really quick, how much of this with Belichick might also be who he said he was going to bring as his coaches? Did some of these owners, when he talked to them, they look at him like, yeah, I'm not in love with your coaching staff. Can't imagine you're telling Bill Belichick. I mean, I guess the question is. Well, they don't say to his face, but after the meeting, they're No, thinking. I didn't say they said it. You're too literal on this one. I'm saying I can't imagine they're going behind closed. Do you want me to really break it? They're not going behind closed doors saying, I don't like Bill Belichick's staff. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want Bill Belichick, you're taking Bill Belichick and who he brings with him. You're not nitpicking who he decides who his coaches are. You're hiring Belichick for Belichick and everything he brings. Not, well, I like Belichick, but I don't like this guy and I don't like that guy. You are hiring him because you trust that he's the guy that's going to take your team from middle ground to over the top. So then why is he not getting the opportunity in Atlanta, do you think? I think I just what I just said is you trust that he's going to take you from middle ground to over the top, and maybe Atlanta doesn't think that. And maybe other teams don't think that he's the guy that can take them from middle ground to over the top. Interesting. That's all. I mean, is the has the shine of his success wore off when Brady left and the Patriots really tanked? Do people look at him and say... This crusty guy. I, I don't want to deal with this. And the team didn't even have a success without Brady. I will say they did go to the postseason the first year with Mac Jones. So that was with Josh McDaniels off his Interesting stuff. Raheem Morris is the new Falcons head coach. We have two job openings open now. Seattle, Seahawks, and Washington Commanders. Okay. And Belichick, I don't know. He may have been tied to the Commanders a little bit. A little bit. Vrabel had an interview, I think, with Seattle. Yeah. But now Vrabel could be left out as well. Those would be two interesting names not on staff in the NFL in 2024. Mike Bissinelli, he joins me next. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, Here's Mike Gill. All right, final hour of the show, final hour of the week for me. I am out of here after today, but I couldn't do it this hour without talking to Mike Missinelli. We talked last week, and since that time, a lot has changed. 
So we'll bring Mikey Miss onto the show on a Thursday before I get out of town for the weekend. Holy moly, there's a lot that has gone on since the last time we talked, and it wasn't too long ago, Mike Missinelli. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, I was mildly entertained. No, wildly entertained, I should say, by that press conference of yesterday. Uh, let's start there. I mean, um, Sirianni, we talked Friday. He was coming back. They come out Wednesday. They're a half hour late. You would think they'd have their P's and Q's in, in a row here. What did you think of the performance yesterday? When you when you kind of look at what came out of that, do you come out befuddled? Do you come out, how were you so what? Let me summarize the, the press conference. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, Brian Johnson's been fired. And uh, I've been neutered. And so when I met with uh, Mr. Lori, as he calls him, I knew I had a reveal plan where I would completely accept a new dynamic with new coordinators, coaches, and I will absolutely give up controlling anything on my own, instead deferring to the coordinators that you approve. Does that pretty much uh, 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 summarize it? Well, I think we heard the whole summarization of what you just said in the Tim McManus back and forth. You have a defensive coordinator calling defense. You have an offensive coordinator calling offense. What do you do? And he says, well, I'm the head coach of the football team. What does that mean, Mike Missinelli? Well, that didn't shock me as much because I think a head coach has to oversee everything. Um, he, um, he was smart. I don't think he's a very smart guy, first of all, but he was smart enough to know what he had to give them in that Friday meeting with Lori, which was play right into the hands. He knew that they were expecting him to say, we, we need a whole new thing. And as long as he was willing to do that, he was going to keep his job. Now, a lot of coaches wouldn't do it that way. Nick Sirianni, as we talked before, Mike is a young coach. It's good to be a head coach at his age in the NFL. It's good to hold on to the job first and, and worry about it later. So he gave them everything that they wanted. It was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, you said he's young. And, look, he wasn't on anybody's radar. Is this a, uh, like, too much too fast for him? And he had the success so early, you know, um, and now it's all crashing down and he doesn't know how to do it because you got this taste of success so early when maybe people didn't think you were going to get it. And then you kind of get a cocky about it. Listen, I, I think you know pretty much how I feel about this. The, the collapse at the end of the year was indicative to me of his head coaching ability, his ability to be this overseer. Right? They're going to trust him now to be the overseer after he oversaw that and failed miserably to control it. So, I, listen, I, they, they make up their own mind on what they want to do. I, I assume that they thought, like we surmised before, that Lori Willard was really going to look bad if he fired him because he had discovered him. And, and, you know, they don't like to look bad when it comes to that. But I, I was shocked at the press conference did not focus right away on why they kept him. I think there was a really good question, but it came at the end of the press conference. I think the final question was, when you look at what happened this past year, specifically talking about Nick, what gives you the confidence in him being back for another season to lead this team? That is a great question. Now, Howie's answer was the stock answer. Well, you know, his record. Yeah, and then he cited we were 26 and five in the previous 31. Not many head coaches have three playoff seasons in a row. Uh, all that stuff. And, so I would have focused like, and then there should have been follow ups on that. Oh yeah, but but look look what happened at the end. Isn't that indicative uh, of of your coach's control over the whole situation? And oh by the way, within that, 
Your players respected them so much that they designed a play in the sand against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Mike Missinelli from the Mike Missinelli podcast. You know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts with you and other radio guys over the last, you know, six, eight months talking about being, um, uh, newspaper guys and asking the tough questions and, and, you know, just kind of that grit. I would say like the first thing I wanted to hear was, Nick, did your team quit on you or were you that unprepared over the last six weeks of the season? How do you answer that? Well, here's the problem with these press conferences. There are too many people in there. There are like 30 people who cover the Eagles now. So everybody wants to get their damn question in to make themselves look good. So they shout over each other, and there's no room to breathe in the press conference of our follow-up. I had a plan on my podcast today where I would change the dynamic. It has to be unity with the, the press corps, but there should be one guy asking questions with designated questions submitted to him by the rest of the pack, and then there should be one other guy who is responsible for following up. Two guys, two voices with the same questions coming at those guys, and they can't escape culpability. The two-voice system in the presser. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed <laughs> – and by the way – It's a brilliant idea. It'll never happen. Here's how you make your front man. You, you vote collectively, and you say, okay, uh, so-and-so has the most seniority on the beat, and he's been, like, the, the most respected. You choose a guy, and, you know, okay, you have to write down our questions. You have a list of about 15 questions. You ask the question. The second guy is responsible for following up the question. Perfect. You get all the answers. But see, he's allowed to escape when he says, well, he was 26 and 5. And then that premise goes into the ozone. It dissipates like smoke into the air. And you never really pin the guy down on why he chose to come back with a guy who presided over a train wreck. Well, because you said, and we talked about this last week, 26 and 5 is fine. But what about one in six, which was so deplorable that that has to be expanded upon? One in six is one thing if you lose 27-24, but you're not competitive in the games you're losing. He got away with it. So they, they got away with explaining that away where, where they weren't pinned down on anything. And speaking of that, how many times? Was the, the linebacker question. Are you kidding me? He tried to sell us that he was okay at linebacker, and he sold us Zach Cunningham? There was no follow-up because everybody then yells in another question. Those are the issues you need to ferret out. Right. He, he mentioned Nicobe Dean by name. He, he really went out of his way to give Dean some, you know, props that, hey, we had a plan. He got hurt and therefore it wasn't our fault. So it sounds like Dean is coming in. Uh, what about Mike? Have you ever been in a presser where the breaking news happens in the middle of the presser? So they're yeah, up that, there. That. The presser's probably delayed because of the Fangio. They probably got a call at 2.30, and this happens, and you push the presser back, and then Schefter says, well, I can't wait any longer, and he gets it out there, and they got to ask the guy on the spot about this news. You know, I, I don't know. It, it, I think that they would have known about that before. You know, people know in circles what's happening uh, if you're in the NFL, and, and I'm sure that they were aware that Miami was really not that keen on keeping them, and, and that, that was going to happen anyway. I, they have always been late for press conferences. It, it's like they they make a, they do that on purpose just to tick people off and to show them we're, we're in charge here, not you guys. So I'll start the press conference anytime we want. I think it's more that than, than the Fangio thing. 
What do you think of Fangio? Is there a message to you with the level of coordinate? They didn't go for the Mickey Mouse guy. They went and got the emperor. But see, here's the thing about these guys that are older, that have these reputations. Like, he's the he's the Frank Reich of defensive coordinators. <laughs> and even though, like, he hasn't been that spectacular. I, I understand that he has been respected in the past, but he hasn't been that spectacular. And he wasn't spectacular with the Miami Dolphins last year. So we're going to get another coordinator that they, they are in love with this guy. I know he's got a Philadelphia connection, but they are in love with him. Like, like the previous regimes were in love with Frank Reich. And so he comes in and he's going to have that same bend, but don't break defense. Yeah. It's like there's not going to be really a change in it. They're not going to be more aggressive under Vic Fangio. Are they going to be more sound? To me, defenses are more sound when you have players who can play the defense to make it sound. And right now, they have a back seven that can't be sound just because Vic Fangio is coming into town. Uh, Mike Missinelli, the Mike Missinelli podcast. So uh you have any confidence then, Michael, that Roseman has now a veteran coordinator, and that coordinator will have a voice to say, you brought me in. You had two imposters run my defense. Now you got me, but you got to give me my guys. These are this is my list. Let's work off this list. Uh, I don't know. I assume I see Sirianni has completely given up all control. Like he and he had to do it to keep his job. I understand. I'm not going to blame the guy, but like he is now deferring to a veteran. Uh, defense coordinator and uh, whoever they hire is the offensive coordinator and he's not prop not gonna like get his hands in it he said he's gonna go to a couple defensive meetings i'm I'm shaking my head i'm going what is going on here is there really a guy in charge of this franchise or not fangio sees him open the door he points and says get out right i mean you don't need that's the whole point though you don't need him in a defensive meeting when you hire a a veteran guy like this like it's like mcveigh walking in on wade phillips with him overseeing everything i think it's a responsibility of a head coach to go in everybody's room and oversee if he's going to be the overseer but like like is he going to be respected as the overseer well i I don't know he's been neutered his players his players see that we see it i think i know your answer to this well i think i know your answer to this question but does lori Find any value at all in Sirianni's role in why they went to the Super Bowl. And it's something that we don't know and can't quantify. Or is it more, I don't want to look like I made a mistake and this guy's a puppet? I can't discard the fact that you know, they, they had a winning record. Okay, I, I don't want to completely bail out. Um, to get a team to the Super Bowl, you must be doing something right. To get a team into the playoffs the first year, you must be doing something right. I was just like, I've never seen what I saw at the end of this year. And to me, when it's at historic proportions, I, I can't ignore it. And I believe, this is the second thing you said, that Lori did not want to look silly by firing a coach that he anointed as the n- next shiny toy, and they got to the Super Bowl. That would have made him look ridiculous. Uh, and so I think that's what saved Sirianni's job at the end of the day. So now they'll go another year with him, and they reserve the right to fire him after next year if things go bad or if things go good. They go, see, we were right all along. They can't lose with the way they, what they did here. Well, well, you brought in a guy who's been a head coach. What kind of coordinator? Is there a name that you're intrigued by? Uh, because yesterday I thought it was interesting. You, I, want, I would love to have seen your reaction when he says, well, it's not his offense. It's not our, my offense. It's our offense. 
kumbayas here. We're bringing yeah. a guy like this. A, a, a top level coordinator wanted to be our offense. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know the inner workings of the NFL enough to to sponsor an offensive coordinator. Uh, I think that everything is cyclical. Mostly it, it, it comes down to your players performing. So uh, whoever they get is going to have to have a better Jalen Hurts, the bottom line. Uh, but I think it's really interesting that, you know, they made such a big fuss about the transition offensive coordinator Brian Johnson because he was so bonded with Jalen Hurts and uh, things were just going to go sky high. If Hurts was an MVP candidate the year before, you can imagine what he's going to be now with his buddy, his mentor, all that kind of thing. And that was just like, <laughs> they just they just completely discarded it and felt no need for an explanation. Yeah, the uh, question... In fact, they went the opposite way. They said they didn't confer with Hurts. Yeah, I was going to say, he got when asked they, a couple... He got asked a couple different ways if they had to ask Hertz yeah. um, about that. I, I mean, he it, 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 it wasn't really clear. Like, yes, we had to talk to Jalen or we told Jalen this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, but they did make it clear that our players don't influence what we do. All right, let me ask you this yeah. because I know where you have stood on this. I don't know if you've changed. They point blank asked about the decide decision again. Now, the two guys are sitting next to each other. Does he have the gall to have the man sitting right next to him and flat out throw him under the bus again, or is that story true? Again, Sirianni. It's has great theater. It's great theater watching it right there. The it, question it, it, it is, like, I, I, I know Sirianni is saying, yeah, that was, the, and how he, how he says, well, yeah, he came to me with that. I, I still don't buy it. Okay. And if, if it's true, then that was another line of questioning. Because if it was true, you go, okay, this guy decided to make the craziest, foolish move on earth. How does that play into your evaluation on him coming back as the head coach? Anyway, he answered it. You had a follow up to get really deep into it. And it never happened. Yeah. I, I was on the same page as if, you know, because I said, if he's sitting next to him and he with a straight face says he came to me just like he did with uh, Shane Steichen a couple of years ago. If you're Sirianni, if you didn't do this, you got to be sitting there fuming. I, I don't know how you your body language doesn't just show that this guy is just launching me under the bus. He was forced to eat spoonfuls of horse crap <laughs> to, keep his, to keep his job. And he was willing to do that. And my question is only players see that just like we see it. And they go, well, players look at that and go, well, he just, he just had to eat spoonfuls of horse crap. How can we trust him? Yeah. You know, uh, I, 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 maybe I'm, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but he did it on many levels. He did it on the coordinator levels. He, he, he said, I have to get better and reprove myself. Uh, he went overboard to keep the job to feed into what they wanted from him. After that, Vic Fangio and the pressers feel better or worse about the direction of where this team's heading this offseason? Mike, I have, I gotta be honest with you. I have no idea. I think they're in terrible shape. I can't imagine that hiring Vic Fangio is going to all of a sudden make them a Super Bowl contender again. They got to worry about the offense. I have no idea how Sirianni now with this overseer thing is going to, cause I look at him, they go, well, they want a guy with emotional intelligence, right? Does he have emotional intelligence? Now, let's be fair about this. Does he have emotional intelligence? First of all, let's talk about the emotions part of it. 
the emotions part of it, I mean, he was mocking fans and, and jumping into the stands with, with the Frank Wright thing he gets seen in Indianapolis calls and the intelligence. And he stammered around for like in, in his whole press conference without being assertive in his answers. So what is that? Is that emotional intelligence? If you on separate uh, you know planes and then you join the two together? I don't know. Mike Missinelli, I know you got to roll before you get out. Um, where does the Joel Embiid 70 night sit for you in recent memory or even past memory in terms of just individual epic performances? Oh, it's an all time moment. There's no question about it. I, uh, you know, I, I didn't see Wilts 100, so I don't know what that would have been like, but yeah, of course, 70 points and, and the way he did it where he was just a deadly mid-range shooter, and then he, he bullied people that, like, dominated down low. I mean, that's a magnificent performance. Nobody could ever take away from him. And, and you know, the fact they got the, the, the record was was special. It's, it's going to go down as an all-timer. Uh, but the thing about Joel Embiid is I, I can't, unless they get out of the second round of the playoffs, and by the way, they'll have to beat Doc Rivers to do that. Uh, so until they do that, uh, and play in, in the finals, uh, I have to withhold how great he is. The synergy of the Fangio news coming down at the same area of the Doc Rivers thing resurfacing was just an epic day yesterday. Yeah, a lot of, and a lot of people are saying, well, they got a break because Doc can't get out of the second round. So maybe this is the year they get out and they play them. They'll get out of the second round. It would be poetic justice to see this all unfold. The Mike Missinelli podcast, everybody. Check out the brand new edition. Uh, I think he just tweeted it out right before he jumped on the, uh, I, I the show. And, and it has my explanation about this, this two man, uh, the system that I propose in future press conferences where there's going to be more, like 30 people asking questions. It's out of hand. The fans don't get the proper information. So do it my way. Let's do it. And we need a microphone in there. Can we hear the question? Correct. That'll be next. Right, one guy stand with a mic. The second. It's like Batman asking the questions and Robin with the follow-ups. <laughs> All right, man. Check out the podcast. Thanks, Mike. All right, Mike. See you. Mike Missinelli here. The Mike Missinelli podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts here on the Sports Bash Live. You know, and he's not buying it. You know, a lot of the stuff that he's selling, hey, horse crap after horse crap that uh, Sirianni. Look, I thought that Sirianni yesterday had to eat a lot of crow. I'm not crowing like I told you so, but here's a guy who has had a lot of cocky moments because they've been so successful. And Mike talked about it. You know, emotional intelligence. You win a game, an NFL game, and the coach is running down the chute yelling up about the Chiefs fans. Are we going to see a much more subdued Nick Sirianni moving forward? Are they going to take a look at the head coach and say, listen, you are here to make sure, you know, you're a well-liked guy, Nick. You've done a lot with this group of guys. They like you. And you're here now to make sure everybody gets along and let the coordinators, just like in 2022, let Shane call the plays. Let John call the plays. Now it's going to be let Vic call the plays. Let whoever call the plays. And just make sure you manage that. By the way, have you guys been seeing the stories that have been coming out about the Dolphins players celebrating Vic Fangio's exit on social media. I mean, you got a lot of response here um, that the Dolphins players uh, are 
quite pleased that Vic Fangio is no longer the uh, coordinator down there in Miami, whatever that means. Uh, there's a huge story about it at the New York Post right now uh, with different response from defensive players that are reacting to Fangio. Now, I think Fangio is an older, tougher guy, a little gruff. Um, not everybody's cup of tea. Um, we'll see. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, there's a lot of reports. I, I just got the story. Actually, Sal Palantonio just emailed me the story. And uh, this is the first I'm kind of like, you know what's funny? Somebody texted in, I think, on our text board a little while ago uh, about the players celebrating Fangio. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And now I see this article here. But I'm reading through it. I'll read it in the commercial break. We come back. Casey Joyner will tell us about Vic Fangio's defense and championship weekend with one thought every game coming up next. This Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Mike Gill. Do I have everybody's attention now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 529 Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Casey Joyner is going to have one thought every game. Get his thoughts on the Vic Fangio hire. Does he have an offensive coordinator that he likes? Kellen Moore has been named as another OC. The Eagles have interviewed. I'm Mike Hill. This is the Sports Bash. We've got um, Sixers tonight, right? Sixers. Pacers tonight. And the uh, Flyers are playing the Red Wings. That game's going to be on our sister station Rock 1041 and the Rock 1041 mobile app. Uh, Saturday, it is a Sixer Flyer double dip here on 97.3. You got Flyers Boston, 1230 little matinee. Flyers matinees. I'm liking the Flyer matinees, although the Flyers haven't been playing all that well. That's been a little bit of a problem. And now Owen Tippett being out. Um, we've got, uh, yeah, we've got that problem. And uh, the goalie situation, I don't know. Do we think we've seen the end of uh, Carter Hart in Philadelphia? I guess that's another thing that will be on the, uh, you know, something that we'll be taking a look at uh, moving forward. The story, obviously, coming out of uh, Canada, not good. I mean, the way Kevin talked about it on Tuesday when he was with me on game night, Kevin Durso, our Flyers insider at 97.3 ESPN.com, he said that, you know, basically he looks at it as, as long as Carter Hart is not in like major legal trouble, he anticipates he'll be back. Okay. It's just the question of in his absence, does he get, for lack of a better term, Wally Pipped? You know, does Ersan turn into the guy? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, listening to Briere, I didn't have the confidence that he thinks Ersan's the guy. Ersan's the guy like right now. We'll see. But, you know, that, that story is big and you can go get more on our website, 973 ESPN. 
Com. Is it as big as Vic Fangio, the new Eagles defensive coordinator? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And one thought every game championship weekend with the football scientist himself, Casey Joyner from The Athletic. We're down to championship weekend, but it's a lot of the news off the field, Casey. Let's start yesterday. Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman are taking questions from the media about how the season imploded. And Adam Schefter drops, hey, Vic Fangio is parting ways in Miami and Philadelphia is the top target. So Fangio today, it is being reported that he will, in fact, be the next Eagles defensive coordinator. What say you about the fit and Fangio? Let's say this is a Fangio. I remember talking earlier this year about midseason. The Dolphins, I remember talking about the Dolphins offense because, you know, they put up 70 against uh, Denver and all but by about midseason, week 8, 9, 10, somewhere around there, the Dolphins were, if they weren't the best defense in the league, they were top five easy. They were dominating in every category. They were stopping the run. They were stopping the pass, pass rush, all nine yards. And you go, well, wow, they were that good. Then why weren't they uh, that good at the end of the year? Well, when you go into your playoff game and you're losing seven starters, Bill Walsh used to say uh, defense is all about personnel. Yeah, you lose seven starters. Name me a defense in the NFL. You take their seven starters, including probably four of their best players, and get rid of them and say, okay, how are you going to fare in the playoffs? You're probably not going to do too well. So I think it's a fantastic hire for the Eagles because he's somebody who can take what they've got. And they still need younger players, but he can do something with this. Yeah, we'll see if uh, he has a a louder voice, too, to be able to get the kind of talent he wants. Uh, you know, you, you look at this, Casey. They need to change. They need to upgrade. They need to get younger. I mean, they're corner. When you look at that defense last year, one of the things I think stands out if you watch them is they were slow. Yes. They, they were slow. They didn't tackle very well. And that's, that's, uh, uh, the thing is, is you can get, if you've got a, a, a veteran player who's getting a little bit older, you can get a younger player who, you know, yeah, let's put it this way. You can take where that veteran player is now and say, hey, where's he going to project in one or two years? You can get a player who might not be as talented as the veteran at his peak, but he's going to be in a better place than that veteran was. And plus, not only that, uh, Bill Walsh used to say about uh, bring up Walsh again, he used to say when it comes to defensive players, he said, if you got hustle guys but they're not very fast, all they do is chase a guy across the goal line. He said, it doesn't do you any good. He said, what you need, are, 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 what you need, you got to have some speed and such. And yet, when you get old, it's uh, very hard to keep uh, keep going fast and you get older. So I think the Eagles just need to get younger. But the thing is, Fangio's defense, I, it's very creative. He can work in a system. I don't want to say defense go pass heavy, but if they go pass heavy, he's got some of the most creative adjustments to uh, to opposing offenses that, that you'll find in the league. And I think it'd be something if they need to go pass heavy or want to go pass heavy, he's somebody who can win in that environment. Still like to see him go run it because his defense can also stop the run. He showed that last year when you give him the talent to do it. He's got the uh, the scheme to do so. Okay. Um... Uh, let me ask a question regarding, you know, Fangio, and we hear it in here in Philly all the time because John Gannon, he runs the Vic Fangio defense. Sean Desai, he runs the Vic Fangio defense. <laughs> I guess Fangio runs it better than them? <laughs> yeah, I would think that he, he runs it better than them. Uh, I The thing is, is uh, there are different – you can run a system, but you can want to do various things inside of it. You know, Bill Walsh ran – the West Coast system in, in with the Niners, and then you can look at the things that Holmgren ran or Shanahan ran, and they're going to add different things in there. They're, they're going to have variations of what that system is, but they're not going to do those things. I think Fangio's system, uh, he uses a lot more uh, 
I think he's going to use a lot more quarter strength, right? He's going to use a lot of things of that nature. There are a lot of different things I think that he's going to do that uh, that you're not going to find in the other systems. And this past year, the thing is, one of the things I like this past year, and even not looking at it schematically, you're looking at <clears throat> when he had he had good cornerbacks in Miami this past season, and he found good ways to keep them in proper matchups. He does a lot of very good adjustments to where if you've got a stud wide receiver, he's got a lot of very creative calls to say, you're going to try and move him here, you're going to try and move him here, you're going to try and move, you're going to try and move him all over the place. I've got adjustments to make sure that my guy follows you. It's not as easy as just saying, hey, we'll have our guy shadow him. You're going to have things built into your defense so you don't have weaknesses. He's got a lot of those. So if they're facing some like a CD Lamb, he'll have some answers and adjustments to it if you give him a good cornerback who can uh, do shadow corner. All right, uh, there are a few offensive coordinator candidates that have been announced for the Eagles: Kellen Moore, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Gerard Johnson. Uh, interviewed or requested an interview the other day. Frank Reich's name. Any of those guys you think? Hey, Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and this offensive line. That guy can reignite this offense. Uh, I'm going to lean Reich because he runs, and I think of Kellen Moore, and I think of Cliff Kingsbury, and I go, oh, wow, they're going to be a pass-first offense. And I just think, if, if, if not, hey, you know what? Whatever they do, whoever they go with, just if it's a pass-centric offense, get a pass-centric guy and say, hey, run this system, run the system you want to run. We want to run a pass-centric offense, and that's what we want you to do. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. I think it's a foolish move because you've got the capacity to be a great run offense. And as good as Stoutland is, I mean, he's the best offensive line coach. Him and Dallas Andrus are probably the best offensive line coach in the league. He's he's very good. He can he can pass block. He can build pass blocking teams, but he can build elite run blocking teams. And I think you're wasting the talents of your offensive coordinator and the kind of offensive line that you built if you're going to the pass centric system. But if that's what they want to do, go all in. Don't try and go halfway and go. Well, maybe we'll do a little bit. Of hey, you want to hire Kingsbury and go pass centric? You want to hire Kellen Moore? I mean, they let him go in Dallas because he was too pass centric. You want to go that route? Go that route, but go all the way. I'm not saying you have to change your offensive line coach. You got the best in the league, but you need to change your personnel because they don't have. I don't think a pass blocking system i don't think that's i don't think they built that way that's not the built away personnel wise you better be a, a better be okay with an adjustment you might take a couple three years to get where you want to be personnel wise because i don't think that they've got a pass centric team all the way across the board they're gonna have to make some moves all right uh there's a look at where the eagles are coordinator wise sirianni's back we don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be we do know vic fangio or at least uh, that is what is being reported that he will be the next coordinator here in philadelphia uh one thought every game let's take a look championship weekend let's start with the asc championship and you can hear it right here on 97.3 espn kansas city and baltimore here's kansas city for the sixth straight year they are back uh what are they doing right now that got them back here because there was a time at the end of the regular season, Casey, where people weren't so sure Casey uh, uh, Casey was going to get back yeah. here. <laughs> uh, the thing about the Chiefs is Andy Reid, I remember the, he told John Clayton for ESPN one time, uh, he, he, he made a half joke. I think I mentioned this before. That he said, if I could throw in every down, I would. And he kind of meant it. If he could throw in every down, he would. But you can't. But the thing is, early in his Kansas City tenure, he said, I'm going to run the ball more. When Mahomes got hurt uh, and he won, but didn't get to the success they have today. But when he got Mahomes and, and he started passing a lot more, then Mahomes got hurt in that sneak play in that one game, uh, in like week five a few years ago. 
think it's Baltimore, but he got hurt in a sneak play, and they said, oh, wow, we better protect the quarterback because he's kind of banged up. They ran the ball a lot more. They won the Super Bowl that year. Kind of did the same thing this year. Over the last uh, four games, they've rushed for uh, 121 or more yards, and they've uh, they've rushed, they ran for 293 yards in the two playoff games. They're leaning on the ground game a whole lot more. And I think it's changing what their offense is. They're, 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 this is now a team that doesn't mind leaning on the ground game. I also point out that Mahomes, Mahomes had his worst interception rate this season. He was 21st in the league in interception rate. He's taking more chances. And I think Andy Reid also realizes that you can't trust Mahomes, but we don't have the kind of receiving core that Mahomes can go put it up into, you know, into coverage and, and get the ball caught. So I think that they're leaning on that direction and say, we're going to uh, counterpunch Mahomes and lean on the ground game more. It's working for him though. Why is this Baltimore team different? Baltimore team's different because they uh, they still are they still have the round game that they had before, but you really can't if the Greg Roman passing game had some limitations to it. And now they don't have quite those limitations. They can pass the ball more when they need to. They're still running the ball quite well. And in fact, that's gonna be the Chiefs problem, I think, of this one. The Chiefs uh, Buffalo rushed for 182 yards last week. Buffalo's a good run team. They're not that good. And that's the most the Chiefs gave up all year. And the Chiefs, in fact, they gave up 100 or more rushing yards in all but four games this season. Baltimore rushed for 100 yards in every single game this year. They just had their third game of 200-plus rushing yards last week. I'm looking at it and going, I think this is going to be a run-heavy game. I think it probably hits the 100 points. I think it's going to be a slugfest. And I think that Kansas City was able to win that type of game last week. But in Baltimore against the Ravens, you're trying to play a slugfest. I think the Bills aren't built to be a slugfest team, but the Ravens are. So I think the Ravens are taking this one. All right. Uh, one thought every game. Kansas City-Baltimore, that's your early game. NFC, here comes Detroit. They're in the NFC Championship game. Last time Barry Sanders was running the ball uh, back in the early 90s. And here they are now with a team that what is the identity of this team what who are the lions uh the lions are a team at this point the lions are a shootout team and they've scored <clears throat> excuse me 20 more points in all but three games and mind you the lions when the, the thing is they score that many points the lions if they lose every if they don't get 20 more points this year this has been their trend this is what the, the, the trend for the game the lions score fewer than 20 points they've lost all the games when they've really had that happen the Niners, when they score 24 or more points, they win every game that way. But the lot, when the 49ers score 23 or fewer points, they, they're 13 now when they score 24 more points. San Francisco is 0 and 5 and they post fewer than 24. So when they score 24, they win. When they don't score 24, they lose. Detroit scores 20 in nearly every game and they lose and they don't score 19. This is a shootout game. And that's what makes me really think about this is the Lions have scored 30 more points in seven of their last 11 games, posted 22 and 24 points in two other games. The Niners, they're really good. They've only posted four games of 30 or more points under the last nine meaningful games. So I think Detroit's offense right up. Ask who Detroit is. Detroit is a team that's comfortable getting into shootout games and doing a very good job in them, posting 30-plus points on a pretty regular basis because of it. All right, Casey Joyner, that's Detroit, obviously. Uh, the new kids on the block, San Francisco. Uh, they were here last year, and obviously the quarterback got knocked out of the game. We know what happened there. A lot of the same faces. Uh, is this just too much for Detroit? Is this San Francisco team well-oiled, or are you starting to see them leaking oil? <laughs> As noted, they're not scoring points quite to the extent that they did. They say, we're comfortable, Debo. We like where he is. 
uh, Debo's at the hurt shoulder, and and Detroit, you you can go pass against Detroit, and it can work. And Tampa Bay nearly beat him because of it, and you can do that. But I think that uh, might be San Francisco. Though I tell you what, San Francisco is the thing that worries me. And I got McCaffrey, Purdy making risky passes, right? I mean, we we saw that last week. He threw three or four could have been interceptions. Uh, Savage should have had a pick six off. So you've got he's taking making risky passes. You got Debo banged up, and their defense, their secondary, Detroit secondary is bad. San Francisco secondary is really inconsistent, and they have some people that you can beat in coverage. I'm looking at all that. And I'm going. I think this is going to be a shootout game. Detroit's five and two shootouts, where each team scores 24 more points. Detroit's five and two in shootout games this year. San Francisco one and zero. San Francisco doesn't get into shootout games. I think Detroit's going to get them into a shootout game, and I cannot believe I'm saying this. I think Detroit's going to win this game and go to the Super Bowl. I never thought I would say those words. Guy who was born and raised in Michigan, and I, I've been watching them since 1978. I never thought I'd say that. I literally think that they're going to win this ball and turn it into shootout, and San Francisco won't be able to keep up because Purdue will make too many mistakes. Wow. So there you go. Casey uh, likes um, Detroit to beat San Francisco to go to the Super Bowl, and uh, boy, um, that would be something <laughs> yeah, that's wild. They don't I mean Detroit Lions Super Bowl. It just doesn't. I wrote an editor that said, I can't believe I put those words in the same sentence. I know. And it would have been magic if we could have got Buffalo with them. I mean, a Buffalo <laughs> Detroit Super Bowl would have been uh, a, a story in itself right there. Um, real quick, Casey Jr. Raheem Morris is the new head coach in Atlanta. No Bill Belichick. No Mike Vrabel. Those guys are still free agents and they're running out of jobs. But it's Raheem Morris. Why did the Falcons like Morris? Uh, I think it's a cultural fit. He's a guy who's he's good for for a cultural fit. There, still, a, yeah, he's a young coach. I think he's got a, a, a lot of energy for a coach, which is what you want. But the thing is. Last year, the Falcons couldn't figure out what they want to be. What kind of defense do they want to be? Do they want to be a run team? Do they want to be a pass team? What, what, where do we want to be? He's been an offensive coach. He's been a defensive coach. He can see the whole picture of what kind of team I want to build. And I think he probably sold them on that idea of, look, I know what I want the final picture to look like. This is what Vince Lombardi said back in the day, what makes you a better coach than other coaches? He said, I know what the final picture looks like. I think Raheem Morris was able to sell the Falcons that idea of I know what you've got and I know how I could take this thing forward. I know what you need to do to take the talent base that you've got and go with that. Because if they did, can decide on what kind of team they want to be, this is a team that's going to make some, a run in the playoffs. All right, that should be interesting. Belichick, Vrabel, a good group, Pete Carroll, others. There's only two jobs left. So somebody's getting left out. We might have an NFL season with no Vrabel, no Belichick, no Pete Carroll in it next season because the two teams, Seattle and Washington, there are only two left to go to fill. And you got guys this weekend. Um, Aaron Glenn would be uh, mm-hmm. somebody that I think would be uh, uh, somebody that could be looked at. So uh, Ben Johnson, who's good at, both Lions guys are, are high on list right now. So we'll see. All right, buddy. Championship weekend. We've reached the end almost. Uh, Casey Joyner, one thought every game. And, of course, uh, he is brought to you by Frank Vincent Windows. Roofing, siding, and doors make your home look new again. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it, man. Casey Joyner. We've got uh, the Super Bowl in two weeks, but uh, there you go. One thought every game, and we only have two games left. Actually, three in total with the Super Bowl, but kind of sad when you think about it. All right, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, I'm off tomorrow, so yesterday being my birthday and off tomorrow, 
I am going to give you a impromptu happy hour Friday some picks. If you want to throw some happy hour Friday picks for my birthday uh, celebration in there, throw them my way right now. 609-403-0973. But I've got a couple happy hour Friday picks for you guys since I will not be here tomorrow that I wanted to throw your way for the weekend. And I'll do that coming up for you next right here on the Sports Pass Live on 97.3 ESPN. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, get ready to get out of here on this Thursday night. Mike Gill and the Sports Bash. Hopefully... You guys uh, enjoy your weekend. I am off tomorrow. Josh will have you till uh, 6 o'clock tomorrow. I got a couple of uh, happy hour Friday picks and plays for you, all right? By the way, people texting in some for me. Got a Water Guns and Rainbows from Ludlam, uh, Ludlam Island. They're actually um, on my list of one of my favorite uh, IPAs of the year, the Water Guns and Rainbows. The uh, tasting room is not open right now. It's soon, though. Soon, yeah, they're, they got the, uh, some of the liquor stores got the stocked up. So. Yeah, you could get that at different liquor stores. Um, Josh from Cape May, Treehouse King Juicelius. Look at the haze. Good pick there. Look what a great can. King Juicelius. It's a good name. Also, happy birthday. Thank you, Jason, uh, Josh, and Cape May. Um, all right, I got a couple for you. I, I got some other ones here. There's just a lot of texts all over the place. Uh, appreciate all the birthday wishes, everybody. All right, last night, by the way, I had uh, Mas Fuego. Josh, you brought that to me on New Year's. I had the uh, Mas Fuego last night for my birthday dinner. Nice. Excellent. Tonewood. Mas Fuego. Uh, the Seed. I went to the Seed this weekend. The beer was called Earnest Intent. Paradisi. Enjoyed it greatly. Very good. Earnest intent from the seed in Atlantic City. Um, I really enjoyed it. I had the 608 uh, double IPA from Hidden Sands Saturday as well. Double IPA, 608. They have have a 106 as well that's like their regular IPA. I went with the uh, 608 double IPA. That's how I started off my Saturday. So there's a couple happy hour Friday picks on this Thursday for you guys out there. Thanks to all the uh, people who texted in. We're a part of today's show, including our guest today, Mike Missinelli, Sal Palantonio, and Andrew DeCicco. Oh, boy. We got Sixers tonight on 97.3 ESPN. We got Flyers on our sister station, Rock 1041. And I'm Mike Gill. I'll talk to you Monday, everybody. Game night's up next. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.